Hey, I'm Green. I'm Gord. And this is the Kiss Communication Podcast, where we do joke episodes way too fucking often. It's going to just become a variety podcast at this point, I think. <sighs> well, I mean, it's at least music related, right? Like, I would, we I would keep think... it. We keep it music related, so that's <laughs> that's good. That's good. See, it's... eventually, we'll just start putting these behind a paywall, and then we make profit. Yeah, if you want the non-kiss content, you have to, you have to, you have to pay up. You have to, you have to become a patron. Yeah. It's that's mutual aid. We talk about kiss, and you give us money. Mutual aid. Yeah, it's mutual aid. You get. <laughs> This is this is labor that we're doing right now. <laughs> we deserve to be compensated. After last week's album, I would say it is actually quite laborious. It is um, definitely emotional labor. <laughs> <laughs> we're, undergo- we're undergoing a lot of psychological stress. We need to get. We need. <laughs> we're generating value. <laughs> Um, so this week, uh, instead of doing whatever stupid fucking Kiss album we would have been doing this week, um, (laughs) what are we doing? We're reviewing, we're ranking every Metal Gear Rising boss song. We're going to review them. Uh, I already made my tier list. I don't. I don't disagree with your tier list. Like, I I did not make a tier list because it would have just been yours. Okay. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad. A lot of people disagreed with my tier list when I showed it to other people, so... Um. I mean, like, I might have put the, um... Who's the guy? I always forget the name. The guy, the meme guy. What? The the guy who talks about memes. In, oh, uh, in Monsoon. Monsoon. Yeah, yeah. I would have put him also like higher up than you did but that's about the only thing that i really yeah. disagree with i, I really just like I that song a, yeah i think there's a part of his theme that you as a drummer really appreciate which is probably why you put it higher it sounds like megadeth <laughs> yeah it's like megadeth but with blast beats it's cool yeah <laughs> it's cool as fuck <laughs> all right before okay let's not skip too far ahead let's let's start we'll start from the beginning so first First real boss of the game, uh, tutorial boss, really, Metal Gear Ray, multi-stage, you fight a big Metal Gear, you fuck it up, it's cool, game's cool. Um, So it's got this kind of, it's got this kind of, like, steady build-up in the intro, and there's lots of, like, layered electronic sounds along with guitar. Uh, From what I understand, uh, a, a group called Maniac Agenda mixed most of the music in this game, and... I think some of it was like previously made for like the Kojima version of Metal Gear Rising, and then they like remixed a bunch of it and turned it into something else. Okay, um, which is I think where some of the vocals on the themes come from. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so you get you know you get this sort of like layered buildup, right? And then and the lyrics is... kick in, and then it keeps building up more. Yeah. Which, I mean, because this, this song, if you've played the game, uh, it builds up to, like, a QTE thing where you, like, chop a significant portion of a Metal Gear off of a Metal Gear. It's, yeah. Um, and it's then you the get coolest the coolest shit. 
Yeah, and then it has like the best bridge to a chorus ever. I, these are all great. Like it's hard to rank because this is this was like refreshing a little bit to yeah. just like. Uh, what do you, what, what's how do you feel about Rules of Nature? It fucks. Yeah, it's pretty good. It's great. Like this is what I'm just gonna be doing all episode. I love it's all a, of these. It's amazing that this this song sets the tone for the game, and then immediately after this mission, it like nose dives for like three missions of you fighting helicopters and shit. Yes. <laughs> and then the game finally picks up again, and you just basically the back half of the game is like a giant boss gauntlet, which is cool. Um, because the boss fights are the best part of the game by far. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, there's like... a really cool. There's a really cool build up when you when you go to Denver before you fight Sundowner. There's this part where Sam is like taunting you from uh, from like these billboard these video billboards all around the city. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Um, I wanna, I wanna replay this game so bad. So the next song after that is I'm My Own Master Now, which is the Blade Wolf theme. This one uh, is fun. I mean... Yeah, um, this one this one is a lot more rock-leaning than the previous one. Uh, it's a lot less electronic, which is weird, because you'd think it would be more electronic for the character who is literally a robot. It's, it's, it's the juxtaposition. Yeah. <clears throat> um and there's like some some like minor kind of distortion on the vocals to make it sound sort of robotic and uh, yeah that's cool the, the other thing is that the vocals on this one aren't very pronounced that's the other thing that kind of stands out about it is that the vocals are kind of layered behind the music whereas most yeah. of the other songs the vocals are very very pronounced that's that's like common with a lot of not common but like like devil trigger does that from dmc5 sort of yeah. there's like that's not uncommon in like action game soundtracks to have like I, I wonder if that's got anything to do with like the dynamic like lyrics or like dynamic like video game music shit. Uh no, I think when you play it in the game it is the, the vocals are also quite quiet uh in this boss fight, if I remember right. Yeah, I don't even remember this boss fight having vocals in the music because yeah. I was playing it on like shitty little TV speakers. Yeah. And I couldn't crank it up. <laughs> so Playing it in, in 4x3 on your CRT TV. Not that far. But... <laughs> Did people uh, play PlayStation 3? I mean, I guess it... Yeah. Guess 360 games especially. The first 360 I don't yeah. think even had an HDMI port. I know a lot of early Wii games were had the option. Like Brawl has the option of 4x3 or 16x9. You could just change it in the settings. Yeah, but the resolution's still crap. So it's yeah. Um, in and Mario Party Eight, it's like the main game is eight by three, but the menus are all sixteen by nine. That's weird. Which is weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of games on the three sixty. If you played them in split screen, it just didn't have the processing overhead, so it would uh, default to like a four by three resolution in split screen. Halo Four does that. It's really fucking annoying. That's strange. Yeah. And then when a cutscene plays, it goes back to 16 by 9 because it cuts to like a single camera perspective. And then when the gameplay starts again, it cuts back to 4 by 3 split screen. 
can we talk for a second about because I'm just like looking at the Metal Gear wiki pages for these songs because it's the easiest place to like find the lyrics. Yeah. Um, like the fandom wiki stuff just fucking sucks. Yeah, didn't they just like rework the website again and now it's even worse? Yeah. <laughs> Can you Especially, believe that? I mean, do Do you know why like fandom spun out of Wikipedia and is like its own thing? It's like it's owned by like another thing, right? Well, yeah, but it's basically a company that's I believe owned by one of the guys who founded Wikipedia. So it's like, oh, okay, directly... so it used to be Wikia, yeah, and then it became fandom, fandom. in twenty sixteen. Yeah. Um, um. Do you know why it exists? Wales. Yeah, yeah. Like the, the, the reason the reason there is like a separate wiki website for fandom stuff. It's like marketing. I don't know. No, Maybe that's what I assumed. Uh, the reason it exists is because originally Wikipedia was getting so blocked up with overly detailed articles about mobile suits from Gundam <laughs> that they made a separate website just to keep it off of Wikipedia. No. <laughs> yeah, if you don't believe me, look it up. <laughs> It was like, there was like a huge, like, from, from what I remember, there was like a huge argument between like Wikipedia mods as to whether they should have this level of detail for stuff that comes from works of fiction. Because at the time, the idea was more that Wikipedia would try to be as comprehensive as possible about topics. It was less about it being more general um, and readable like it is now, which I guess was a thing that changed uh, as, you know, people reading things on phones became more common. But, uh, yeah, there was a point in time where Wikipedia was trying to be as comprehensive as possible because there weren't a lot of digital sources on things. Right. So they yeah, would yeah. just pull as much as they could if the sources existed. And, there's still uh, some, like, there's, st like, I've seen that before where, like, Wikipedia, like, there's still pages that have, like, I mean, because, like, Amaro and all, like, the Gundam characters have their own Wikipedia pages on, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah it used to be much, much much worse there used to be wikipedia used to be a de, a de facto english language gundam wiki at one point um <laughs> and they had to they had to put a stop to that because it was just getting fucking ridiculous uh okay so next theme uh this is mistral's theme a stranger i remain um this if i remember right this is the only song in the game with a female vocalist yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, and Mistral is uh, like one of, I think, only three female characters in the entire game. Because um, there's the there's the blonde lady from uh, Maverick, and there's Sunny, right? Yeah, yeah. and Metal Gear Ray. Yeah, yeah, I guess. I don't know, I don't know why I said that, but... <laughs> <laughs> so this one, uh, this one has some like heavier guitars in the intro. It's a little more uh, moody at first before it picks up. Um, and the other thing that is sort of the signature of this song is that it has a lot of piano on it. Yeah, yeah, lots of lots of keys, lots of piano. Yeah. Um, oh, I like this song. I think we so we put the first two in SS. 
like the second highest tier in the tier list. Yeah. No, and we didn't. Then, uh, we just put the at least on my tier list. Uh, Rules of Nature is in SS, and um, I'm my own master now. Is in like A tier. Oh yeah, yeah. I was getting them mixed up. Yeah. Oh, I see what you're looking at. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. They do. They do give Blade Wolf like a Metal Gear Ray head, so it's kind of hard to. But that's not what he has at first. Um, yeah, the breakdown on A Stranger I Remain is really cool. Um, I, I never really get to hear all of it when playing the game because by the time it comes in, you're basically at the end of the fight because it plays during that like last set piece where you, where you can just like destroy Mr. All really fast. Yeah. Um, I remember that with like the music <laughs> just stopping abruptly, kind of. Not abruptly, but... Well, the music stops when the boss blows up. Yeah, but that yeah. fight is just like sort of weirdly paced in general. Yeah. Um, yeah, that fight is weirdly paced. Uh, I think if you're like not proficient at the game at all, uh, it, it's probably paced a bit better. But if you know how to parry even like a little bit, you skip huge chunks of the fight. See, um, here's the thing: I played Metal Gear Rising on a busted controller. Yeah um with a bad analog stick okay this and, sounds and, like a horrible experience and for a while i thought i was just bad at the game yeah. i like did not realize until i beat the game that because everyone was, was telling me like oh this game is so easy why are you like so fucking bad at it why are you having such a hard time and then i like didn't realize until like a couple weeks after i beat the game when i plugged that controller up to my pc to do something with it and i looked at like the analog stick it had like the, you know, when you like look at a controller and it has like the analog stick, like input. Oh yeah, like whether it's PC centered in the dead zone was, or whatever. It was just like moving all over the place, and I was like, oh, "How did I game like with this controller like this?" Yeah, so I have two two DualSense controllers, and Pyrus tested this too on his DualSense controllers, and uh, every thumbstick on every DualSense controller seems to be like slightly up and to the left of center I think it was up and to the left it might be up and to the right but it's it's still within the dead zone so it's not like an issue but there's like something about the way the joysticks and the DualSense are constructed that places them, their neutral position is actually slightly off center That's I, I hate controllers, like dealing with controllers like that Yeah <laughs> I've been using the same Logitech gamepad for like the past seventeen years. Yeah, I'm getting uh I'm getting an Xbox Elite two controller soon. It doesn't even have just... analog triggers, it just has buttons, so I can't use it for everything now. But Yeah. Yeah, I'm getting the uh I'm getting the Elite two soon because I want like a PC controller that I can actually pop open and easily repair, which apparently the Elite two is really good for. Um Anything else you want to say about A Stranger I Remain? It's a cool song. It's a cool song. Like, it's fine. Yeah, it's, this one, this is this is an S tier for me. So, this one is an S tier. Uh, so, it's a tier above uh, I'm My Own Master Now and a tier below Rules of Nature. It's in between. Um, so, the next one is Monsoon's theme, Stains of Time. Uh, so, this has, the, the sort of signature of this track is like Blast Beats. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's like some, some sort of dry filtered vocals. Um, 
the chorus is really really good yeah yeah it is um and then the the way the chorus ends is it 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 like cuts off the last syllable and like sort of uh plays it back as a sample in like an electronic section which is that's that's an interesting way to put it yeah well it's it's not like a reverb like it is very decidedly like ripped and used as a sample yeah yeah um and then there's like a really crazy guitar solo uh probably my favorite guitar solo in this game because there's a couple It's yeah, we said earlier this is the one that sounds very like megadethy. Yeah, it's like megadeth if they leaned more into like actual a more modern kind of death metal, you know? Yeah. With like the blast beats and yeah. It's cool. I like it a lot. There's uh, and some of the later stuff also sort of has at least in the guitar styles it feels very like indulgent and megadethy. Yeah. Like in the same way that Megadeth is very indulgent. Yeah. Um but even then, like there's there's a decent amount of distinction between them, which I think is neat. The only sort of through line is that there is a, mo- a mix of rock and electronic, but the way yeah. it uses that is like completely different song to song. For the most part. What is so what is the name of this one again? Uh like Stains of Time. Stains of Time. Okay. I like Monsoon as a boss battle. That's I where it got like hard, right? That was like the pleb that's, the that's, that's the one where you have to be able to parry to beat it, yeah. Yeah. It um, was very difficult for me <laughs> with my controller. See, my, my issue with learning to parry wasn't that it's too hard. It's that the parry window is like so forgiving that it was hard for me to figure out what the actual parry timing was. My issue was I just had a busted controller, so... <laughs> I, w- I was trying, like, different parry timings, and, like, it was happening really inconsistently because the, the parry window in Metal Gear Rising is actually quite quite large. And it was just taking me a while to figure out what the sweet spot is. <clears throat> uh, anything you want to say about Stains of Time? I think it's cool. I think it's cool. Yeah. Uh, this is like it's one of my favorite boss battles monsoon is yeah uh <laughs> i think the i think the phase where he like throws down the smoke and he's like impossible to hit is kind of annoying it i think is. you can you yeah. can go on like blade mode and like swipe him in the head and i think he just falls apart but um yeah, yeah it's you just can a sort of bald bull yeah hit him with the the counter attack then i always love stuff like that where it but like with Bald Bull, you have to do it though. Yeah. And and punch out. Um. Well, all right. You don't have to do it if you like, because <laughs> you can break his loot beforehand. But or you can like pass that. Whatever. I'll shut up yeah. when I punch out. Uh. Next up is Sundowner. Uh. Did you know that Sundowner's boss fight has a second phase? No. Yeah, because it's like very easy to beat him in the first phase yeah <laughs> if you take too long he'll eventually go into the second phase and the only reason i know it exists is because i was watching like a a style video on youtube where someone deliberately let him go into the second phase yeah i didn't even know that 
We talk, yeah. is, is talking about Sundowner last week why you wanted to do this? That's part of it, yeah. Part of it is also that I did like a replay on, on Xbox because I've played the game a bunch of times on PC um, and just on a whim because I was just sitting in the living room uh, I turned on the Xbox and, and played uh, Metal Gear Rising end to end and uh, certainly a worse experience than PC but surprisingly solid for what it is. It's like I played it on PS3 originally. Yeah, apparently that's like the worst version of the game. Okay. Yep. Is there a good version of the game? Uh, Console-wise, like... 360 is pretty solid. It holds mostly stable 60 most of the time. Um, PC just holds 60, you know, because it's a PC game from, like, 2013, so if you have a PC that's newer than, like, 2016, you're you're going to have a good time with it. Okay. Yeah. I should get it on Steam, then. Yeah, you should. It comes with all the DLC, too. Okay. Yeah, because it was a late release on PC, so they bundled all the DLC with it. Um, so next up is Sundowner's theme, Red Sun. So this is like really kind of, this has a, a bit of a slower tempo. It's got really chuggy guitars, deep vocals. Um, it's very, if it's not industrial, it's like industrial adjacent. Yeah, it's which the is, most industrially out of the... Yeah. Which is, uh, again, like, the each of these songs has, like, a fusion of, like, rock and electronic. Um, and they do them in different ways. So this is the industrial one. Um, and then it, uh, there's a bit of a, like, a little bit of a tempo change when the chorus kicks in, which I think is neat. Yeah, like a little speed up. Yeah, just a little bit, just a little tiny bit. A little push. Which is cool. Uh, what do you think of his boss fight? I usually kill him so fast that I never really get to see any of his moves. Um, yeah. <laughs> once once you know how blade mode works, he's he's pretty easy. Yeah, I don't. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think he's the funniest looking one out of all of them. He gives you the best boss weapon. You can use his his like scissor blades to just completely demolish some of the yeah. later bosses in the game. Yeah, that's true. Um, you have to like space and time it perfectly, but if you can pull it off, he just it just chunks like their health bar. Um, we talked about Sundowner last week enough, I think. Yeah, <laughs> Sundowner is really fun. Um, he's Robot there from Dick the beginning. Chain. He's there from the very beginning. He's because like Mistral and Monsoon don't really get a lot of playtime in that intro, but like Sundowner and Jetstream Sam get a lot. Um, yeah. And Sun the the way this game introduces like the villains is great because you you get the intro of like um desperado with like sundowner and sam and they both are just like the smuggest motherfuckers imaginable yeah <laughs> you have like sundowner being like give war a chance <laughs> it's like the most like metal gear was already super exaggerated and metal gear rising is just like the most it's metal like, gear it's metal gear through the filter of platinum yeah it is yeah sundowner was born in alabama 
Oh, there you go. Repping, repping my state. <laughs> so was the guy who split off from Wiki to do fandom. Oh, well, there so you go. They take it all the way back around. There you go. It's all Alabama. Always has been. <laughs> <clears throat> all right. Uh, next up, uh, Jetstream Sam's theme. Uh, the only thing I know for real. Uh, this is the best song in the entire game. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Uh, so the motif for his song is that um, it leans a little less on the electronic and it brings in a flute. Yeah. For like the samurai vibe. I, and it's so cool. Yeah, it's really, really cool. Um, lyrically, like, it's it's also really good. Well-placed flutes in songs will always fucking get me. Yeah. Like like I, I I have a Spotify playlist that's just hip hop songs that have flute samples. Oh, so that that's why you like the third strike soundtrack so much. Well <laughs> <laughs> Um Yeah, I mean this the guitar solo on this probably the second best after Monsoons. Um lyrically it's super cool. Uh musically it's super cool. Uh, what else have these guys done? I have no fucking idea. Maniac I think they, I think they do like production stuff. I don't think they're really Philadelphia like a production band. team turned yeah. EDM rock band. Uh, from what I understand, most of their other stuff also doesn't sound like this. Yeah. Yeah. Often compared to the likes of the Prodigy mode step or cell dweller the maniac agent this is from their website yeah um yeah these dudes look like they make this kind of music <laughs> yeah yeah all of all of the like review stuff on their website of like reviews from rolling stones are for metal gear rising though so <laughs> they were winners yeah, yeah, yeah. on vh1's the score they do more production-oriented stuff, from what I understand. They're like a work-for-hire production duo. They're not really putting out a lot of their own music. They, they've done some Linkin Park remixes. Uh, worked with Serge Tankian. Yeah. Halo 4. Yep. Um... Can you believe that Serge Tankian did an exclusive remix for Mark Echo's Getting Up, Contents Under Pressure? Did you believe that Serge Tankian did a song with Charlie Parker, the <laughs> saxophonist from... The, it's called Bird Up. It was like a Charlie Parker remix album. Huh. It was just like old, like... I can't, Parker, believe they, uh, I can't believe they got him to do like a, a version of fucking Go Go Godzilla for the King of the Monsters. The fucking, yeah, that's good though. <laughs> it's good. It is good. It's probably better than the original song. I mean, I love Blue Oyster Cult, but. <laughs> Whoa, Godzilla! <laughs> they did have you seen did you see the like live version that they did of that because when like bands were all doing like covid like 
separated like songs and posting them on YouTube and shit, you know? Oh yeah, yeah. Gold, uh, Goldfinger was doing like a shitload of those. Goldfinger did them, um, like Dave Grohl did all that stuff. Billy Joe Armstrong did them with his kids. He did that cover of that of I think we're alone now. That's really good. Yeah. With his son on drums or whatever. Yeah, like, hopefully, Blue Oyster hopefully Cult was uh... just like cranking out just like versions of their old songs that were just like big and jammy and they did Godzilla and it was really good actually. Hopefully that cover with his kids is better than Father of All. I mean <laughs> that album fucking sucked. It's so bad. Well and everyone knew that's the thing that's like baffling about it is everyone knew it was going to suck before it even came out. Because I mean, the messaging around it. it was like terrible. The advertising was terrible. Just um, look at the album art. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, isn't it like someone like just uh, throwing up a graph on American Idiot. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, it's a unicorn. <laughs> with it's like it's. It's it's know, just man. it's so baffling to me that like in the midst of the Trump administration, the band that had the most attention from like having a Bush protest track decided to make like a really bland generic hard rock album. It's not even like. Uh, <laughs> it and it's like not even like it wasn't even like punk. It wasn't even like a bad like because American Idiot is a bad Green Day album, but it still sounds like Green Day. Yeah, it's just vapid and you know what I mean. This like sounded closer to Imagine Dragons, and it's like what the fuck were you guys doing? And yeah, and if you if you saw any of like the messaging and stuff leading up to the release of the album, they were very like, "Oh, we're making we're making a rock album for dads." Like they they weren't even there. Like there was no sense of irony or anything. They just were totally into the idea of making this for some reason. It's and then it's like, so it's fucking Weezer, Green Day, and Fall Out Boy. All three made like the worst albums in their fucking careers. And then went on tour together. <laughs> God. Follow Boy was already on a downward spiral. And Weezer was the best one out of Yeah, they they, <laughs> they downward spiraled into into fucking Imagine Dragons music. Yeah. They made like a synth album. <laughs> When you when you have Weezer and Fall Out Boy and Green Day and Weezer was the best one out of those three, like something is. <laughs> Muse made that like synthy album that was also kind of bad, recently. Have you have you listened to the recent Weezer stuff? Uh, I listened to their cover of Enter Sandman and turned it off halfway through. <laughs> um, we should just do a bonus episode on OK Human. Um, <laughs> oh no. It's called first of all, it's called OK Human and as like <laughs> like Radiohead. Yeah. Like OK Computer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. But all the songs are like these like Beach Boy like pet sounds, like with orchestras and it was like recorded at Abbey Road, but then they all just fucking suck. <laughs> like all of the orchestra stuff is really good. All of like whoever did like the arrangements and wrote all this like and conducted this giant, you know, like orchestra to do this stuff was like, like instrumentally, it was really good. And then you just have like Rivers Cuomo being like, I'm listening to audible audio books, Grapes of Wrath. 
Um, <laughs> he's, it, there's literally a song about him just listening to Audible. Are you sure that isn't like a paid product placement? Um, I, maybe. The, the chorus is, I'm gonna rock my Audible headphones, grapes of raft, drift off to oblivion, I just don't care, just don't care. And then it repeats that like twice. It's very, uh, very engaging rock song about putting your headphones in and listening to like one of the driest pieces of classic literature available. <laughs> well, he, and then like in the lyrics, he talks about like one of the verses, like count on me to show support for Winston Smith in 1984. Cause battling big brother feels more meaningful than binging zombie hordes. So it's like about how TV is bad and you should listen to audiobooks instead. <laughs> Jesus Christ. He had he also there are like there's a phone there's a there's a, a song on this where he talks about fucking who's the like Well there's there's uh, there's like two songs there's a song called Screens where he talks about how his kids are on their phones too much. Yeah. And there's also one where he like he talks about some like figure on the far right that he's friends with or something. <laughs> <laughs> and he's like this song is about cancel culture. It's like, oh, okay, Rivers. I don't know. He's like one of those guys who was like, I can't remember who he is. He's like one of the, like the skeptic atheist guys that turned into like a weird grifter. Yeah. Sam Harris. Sam Harris. Like Rivers oh. Cuomo and Sam Harris are like best friends. And he's super weird. He dedicated the last song on his album to Sam Harris. Should have dedicated it to Sam Hyde. <laughs> Imagine being Patrick fucking Wilson, the drummer who has just been there, like laying down like decent drum, whatever, like <laughs> from the from from Blue Album. Yeah, I mean, he probably just walks into the studio, hands them a tape, and walks out. Yeah, <laughs> and then he gets paid. Yeah. <laughs> And then, and then they released an album after that called Van Weezer, um, and I haven't listened to that, and I never will. Is it a Van Halen cover album? No, but it does have Billy Joel and Ozzy Osbourne on it. Huh. Is it better than Ozzy Osbourne on Post Malone? I Probably, probably not. Probably not! It's also got Randy Rhodes. <laughs> what the fuck? Maybe that song is good. Real talk that that Aussie track or that Post Malone track with Aussie on it kind of slaps actually. It it's probably it's pro- that track that Aussie track like it is probably better than all of Van Weezer. Yeah. Did you see the uh, Did you see the Post Malone Pokemon card? <laughs> no. <laughs> Did you see? Oh, hold on, I'm googling it. it. No, I got it. I got it. No, I got it. Oh yeah, I did. I saw the Katy Perry one. Yeah, there's a Katy Perry one, a Post Malone one, and I think one other one. The Post Malone one is like <laughs> it, the Post Malone one is really funny because it looks like just some dude who has Post Malone's tattoos. It looks like a dude cosplaying Post Malone. Yeah, <laughs> like he, he he's got like he's got like too like strong of a jawline to be Post yeah. Malone. He doesn't look like <laughs> like dumpy enough. 
yeah that's what i was saying too um i was talking to a friend about it and a friend was like what wow he looks way prettier as a pokemon card and i'm like yeah he doesn't really look as dumpy as he does in real life <laughs> what so that's that's because they they released like a new album right like a pokemon tribute album is that it? I thought I thought they just like picked some random celebrities and said these are our Pokemon celebrity ambassadors or something. No, I got like a YouTube ad for the Pokemon 25th anniversary album. Oh, that's weird. Pokemon's uh, got... like general marketing approach in the last few years has been super weird, but I guess it's successful. So I guess they're they did this, but it. they did this shit before, right? They had like the album. Well, that was more for the anime, but like with the on my way to Meridian City. They got Vince Staples on there. Yeah. That's on two tracks? Oh no, it's just a remix. Lil Yachty. <laughs> this is this this album is like dumber than I thought. Like I thought, oh cool, they're doing like a weird Pokemon tribute album, but it's like it's not any Pokemon music, it's just like I need you to people look- Making songs about Pokemon. I need you to look at these Hideo Kojima sunglasses. Oh my god. (laughs) Okay, so... (laughs) There... these these are audio this is an audio people listen to this while they drive green we can't just keep you can't just keep showing me pictures for me to react at for this audio fucking podcast how do you how do you explain these <laughs> they're there's their glasses wait 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 stop 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 i got it i got it i got it okay so since we're already on the topic of metal gear rising you know how raiden has like that visor that like clips in front of his face it's like, what if that, but sunglasses? Yeah, what if you had a pair of glasses, and then you, the sunglasses were, like, stored on the side of the frames, and they, like, flipped out and around and onto the lenses, but didn't cover them completely, so there's, like, still a bit of regular glasses lens around the top and bottom? Because the, the, <laughs> the, the, the sunglass lenses are, like, like a rounded rectangle. But the glasses frame are, like, circular fucking Harry Potter-looking ass glasses. <laughs> So, <laughs> they just fill, like, 85% of the regular glasses frame, and it looks... <laughs> it, it, it looks like a it looks like a haute couture version of, like, sunglasses you'd find in, like, a dollar store in, like, 2005. They're, like, because, like, there are sunglasses that exist where you have, like, where they, like, fold up, right? Yeah, and those so make you look like a dork. Is, those make you look like a dork, yeah. <laughs> but this is like, what if it was fashionable? Yeah, they get they get stowed on the side instead, and then you just every time you go to scratch your temple, you're just gonna smudge up those sunglass lenses. Is this um? This reminds me of the fucking. This the, is the the, uh, the sunglasses with the nose piercing. Yeah, this is the. Uh, <laughs> this is going to be the podcast thumbnail, by the way. Unless we find, I mean, who knows. <laughs> Thank, no, this... You can find something funnier by the end of the episode, I bet. <laughs> Man.
Maybe. Oh God, where were we? We we, we completely we lost track. Uh, we did Jetstream Sam. Okay. Something something post Malone. So the next the next song is the Metal Gear Excelsis theme, Collective Consciousness. Yeah. Uh, so this the the big thing with this and the theme that comes after it as well. Uh, is they bring in like horns and strings, like it's very sort of orchestral, um, which is you know final boss multi phase fight thing. Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna bring in the orchestra. Well, I don't think it's actually an orchestra. It's definitely like MIDI, but strings. Uh, but it's like it's like epic and boss fight. It is yeah, yeah. yeah it sounds like one of those uh, epic orchestral YouTube arrangements that people make that always sound like shit because they're MIDI. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Um, so this kind of brings in... Uh, this and the song after it both bring in some elements of the previous boss themes as well. Like, every instrument, I think, that was, on this, that was used in this game plays in these two themes. I think even the piano gets, like, a little moment. Yeah, it's... it's... People who make video game soundtracks like understand like thematic music writing. <laughs> yeah. Well, you kind of have to, right? Cuz you're it's all about setting a tone. Yeah. Even more than like film soundtracks. Yeah, because well well yeah, cuz a film soundtrack, you know, for a scene you're going to hear it for like 30 45 seconds. Yeah. You know, maybe a couple minutes at most. But, like, a game soundtrack, it's like, you're going to hear it a couple minutes minimum. That's what, like... There's, like, stories of, like, old video game composers, like, back in the day. Like, Koji Kondo in, like, the offices at Nintendo when they were, like, making Super Mario Brothers. And he would just, like, blast the music on repeat. And he would be, like... He would just, like, force the programmers to just listen to the music on loop to to see if it was and then make tweaks to it and then like blast it in the office on loop <laughs> i'm looking at these sunglasses again and oh my god do they like fold? <laughs> is there like two joints do they flip over i'm, I'm trying to is like there... my brain is trying to rationalize how these things work As, what if you just take them off it's like a magnet <laughs> that'd be know. really funny you, you just like attach them and just smack them to the side of your head. <laughs> uh, you that flex your forehead fun. muscles really hard, and they just like flip out. Yes. Yeah. Lincoln Park, Numb, Epic Orchestra Remix. <laughs> <laughs> I just I had the YouTube search it. Yeah. Epic no, Orchestra. You, you didn't, but you did. I did. <laughs> uh so collective consciousness is really interesting because like all the all the boss themes are sort of connected to the characters they're representing lyrically but like these last two are definitely more tied to the character that you're fighting yeah and more towards since they're like the final boss stuff yeah it's also like Like, the, the game itself. Like, the themes, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Especially when you get to the second part of this fight, which will be after this song. 
Um, there's also like some after the chorus. There's like kind of like a quieter section with like some chanting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's um, like it's the same. It's like the first verse. Yeah. Isn't it? It's like or it's like repeated, but it's like chanted. It's it's yeah, something it's like, that had already. It's been... like chanted in the background instead of being like sung. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, which is cool. It's a cool way to reuse a verse. Like Kiss should take note from that. <laughs> you hear that, Kiss? If you ever make another album, <laughs> they haven't made one since twenty twelve. But yeah. they did just release an acoustic version of Beth recently, yeah. um, and it sucks. It's just like Beth, but with like. Did they not, not sing it at like the MTV Unplugged? No, they did. It's just like it's it's from like a dis- it's the artist Destroyer. It's just on Spotify. It's like new release, and it's just like a demo from Destroyer of Beth with like it's just Beth without the orchestra. Oh, that's weird. And it sucks. <laughs> like yeah. it's just like a more stripped down version. Well, if you take the orchestra out of a Destroyer track, you're taking like a third of the track just out of it. Well, yeah, and they they. They put it, they like, they, it says, like, Beth, parentheses, acoustic, but it literally is just the same, like, stems. Have I ever sent you that, like... They're not stems, but... Have I, have I ever sent you, like, the, the isolated acapella of Last Resort by Papa Roach? Yeah, I listened to it when I was waiting on you to join the podcast, like, a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Oh, and it's like it. it's it's in my I just hear it like <laughs> whenever I whenever I like get that song stuck in my head it's that version now because it's just <laughs> like I just because <laughs> you know when you get a song stuck in your head it's not like really the full song you're just my, hearing okay. the words so what I love about the the acapella version of Last Resort is that it's like you went to like the shittiest slam poetry open mic night of all time. <laughs> The bar was already low. Losing my mind. <laughs> I love like shitty isolated vocal, like isolated vocals on shitty songs for people that can't sing. It's like, why would you do this? Why would you even? Or even just on songs that are like not structured around it. Like, uh, uh, one thing that Aesop Rock does is he provides like all the raw vocals so that people can like remix his stuff. Yeah, and uh, if you've ever listened to any of those on their own, they sound fucking hilarious. Because they'll like they'll like spit a verse, and then there'll there'll be like a like a minute long musical break. So (laughs) it'll just be like a minute of silence, and then Aesop Rock starts talking again. I've I've had I've had I've had uh, I've done stuff with some of those because I was trying to like make remixes. I found a Island in the Sun isolated vocals, and it's just like silence and then yep yep none shall pass is really funny because it sounds like aesop rock is like just jumping out of an alley trying to assault you (laughs) very very mc ride of him yeah (laughs) i wonder what would what would death grips isolated vocals sound like it probably exists right if i google it uh for some of the tracks it's probably not dramatically different yeah, because it's, like, very... Especially, like, ex-military also, stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of sequences on ex-military, especially, where MC Ride is just kind of going off, and there isn't really a lot happening musically. There's, like, it. some drums. 
Yeah, it's like maybe some drums, but usually the drums get like their own little spotlight on Death Grip stuff, so. I just accidentally played the isolated vocals for Get Got in my ear really loud. Um, was it was it Gene Simmons who did like the, the the Twitter thread talking about Death Grips and how he thought they were using a drum machine? Gene was it Gene Simmons? I think it was Gene Simmons, yeah. We forced Gene Simmons to listen to Skepta and Death Grips. It's a Vice article. Um, well, judging by how Kiss probably, values the drummer, you know. It's probably in this um, article, I guess. Yeah. Okay, here it is. Here it is. They showed him Eh. What? I don't know. I've heard that song, probably. It's from the one with the the white, the big white balls on the cover. Yeah. And the mouth. Yeah. I don't, know. I don't like Death Grips that much, but <laughs> really, that's that's interesting. I'm not I'm not the biggest fan. There's like Death Grip songs that I like, and I recognize like I think Ex Military is great. Um, and I think uh, Death the, Death Grips is like what's the, the one with the What's the one with the Money Store? Money Store is really good money too. Store? Yeah. Like I, I like was... both of those albums. I don't. I'm not a huge fan of like their other like deeper discography uh, i was gonna say that uh, death grips is the idm to hyper pop's breakbeat okay <laughs> certainly a take <laughs> so when gene simmons was asked about death grips he said i'm not qualified to talk about the genre so i can't really comment on if this is good material it sure as hell ain't rock and then he goes on a rant about how NWA doesn't belong in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in the same way Kiss doesn't belong in the Hip Hop Hall of Fame because rock is guitars, drums, amplifiers. We may have started in the same place, black music in America, but we evolved into much different places. Uh, I guess but, that's like a pretty grounded take. But I mean, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame isn't, hasn't been about rock and roll for ages, so. Yeah. Um. And then the interviewer says, you're not intrigued to find out more about them. And then he says, as soon as I hear someone talking over a drum machine beat, I'm out. Yeah, people got uh, really got mad about that. a lot to say that. about Radiohead, though. Yeah. <laughs> Simmons likes Radiohead. That's cool. Um, and then they showed him Skepta, which is like... Just like drill rap kind of stuff yeah like british drill rap and his only response was asking me about this would be like asking my mother what she thinks of miles davis <laughs> we're not qualified to comment yeah that's fair i, I mean uh, that's this like is a an more... interesting this is an interesting um this is an interesting little article because then the interviewer asks, is there any rap or hip-hop that is to your taste? And he says, my favorite rap song of all time is Sir Mix-A-Lot with the Big Butt song. <laughs> yeah, that tracks for Gene. And then, and, then he, and then Gene says, the song is so infectious, I wind up walking around the house sticking my butt out as if I was in jail. You know what I mean? And the interviewer says, that's a powerful image. And Gene says, I threw up a bit in my mouth thinking about that. Of course, I'd rather throw up in your mouth. 
And then the interviewer <laughs> says, what? And then Gene Simmons says, you're a powerful and attractive man. <laughs> and that's the end of the article. That's the pickup line of the century right there. After after Gene Simmons stares at you from across the bar, he says, Hey baby, I'd rather I just threw up in my mouth a little bit, but I'd rather throw up in your mouth. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Senator Armstrong. It has to be this way. Final boss. Uh, good um, song. This song is as much about riding as it is about Armstrong. Which yeah. is kind of the, it's literally like the musical version of the we're not so different you and I trope, which is also what this boss fight is. I'm sorry, I'm still not over this fucking <laughs> Gene Simmons. <laughs> I need a second. <laughs> Has that ever worked on anyone, Gene? Have you... <laughs> <laughs> God. Anyway, um, okay. So now I'm good now. Yeah. Um, okay, so what what's this song? Uh it has to be this way. Senator Armstrong's boss theme. Okay. Um this fight is, I mean, this fight is obviously, like, well-known, you know? Yeah. Well, most of it um, is, like, the first half of it is, like, just kind of navigating a set piece because it's, like, it just doesn't really care what you do. And then the second half of it is, like, the actual boss fight. <clears throat> okay, so a lot of the vocals for a lot of the, like, a lot of these tracks are John Bush, who was the... Um, vocalist for anthrax between 1992 to 2005 okay so i mean one of the big four right like yeah and a bunch of other people like according to wikipedia at least um free dominguez did the vocals who he's part of the american industrial rock band kidney thieves I never heard of them. Yeah. Um, there's like a lot of industrial sort of metal vocalists on this kind of stuff. Machine head. <clears throat> what, okay, what were we talking about? Uh, apparently, uh, Apparently, John Bush is on Return to Ashes and the Hot Wind Blowing, which are the 
the Camson theme in its separate in its separate parts. <clears throat> Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So they got him for the for the bad DLC themes. Oh no. <laughs> um Yeah, uh I think if you're going to have like a vocal track for a final boss, this is probably like one of the best ones you could have. Yeah. It's pretty standout. It's really good. Um and then the last the last theme is Campson's theme. Uh the hot wind blowing. Uh this one is just kind of like a an, an electronic track mostly. You've got John Bush doing the, the vocals, just the chorus is on, on it is like kind of okay. It's my least favorite theme in the game. Yeah. <clears throat> Alright, so uh Jetstream Sam, best one. Yeah. Um, Armstrong, second best. Uh, yeah. Third best, I would say, is like interchangeable between uh, Rules of Nature and Collective Consciousness. Yeah. Um, and then fourth is, is Stains of Time. I would put that. That's the Monsoon one. That's the Monsoon one. I would put that... Ooh... I really like that one though. <laughs> it's still in this like on my tier list is still in the same tier as like Armstrong and the Metal Gear. Yeah, teams. that's fine. Yeah. I just don't I don't think it's quite as impactful as those ones, especially with what goes along with them. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, and then the tier below that, you have like Red Sun and uh, a Stranger I Remain. Yeah. And then just like the tier below that is uh I'm my own master now and then in the in the bottom tier is uh the hot wind blowing uh Camson's theme just kind of sucks honestly See, I don't like it that much yeah I um, agree the blade wolf DLC also kind of sucks to be honest the whole thing is built around like the bad stealth mechanics oh yeah yeah yeah. I had never played that. Yeah. The, there's a Blade Wolf DLC and there's a Jetstream Sam DLC. Uh, the Blade Wolf DLC has its own boss at the end, and the Jetstream Sam DLC, you just fight like the. You fight the it's Ray and Virgil. you fight Armstrong. It's just like the, the Virgil version of the game. No, it's like, like it's like it's its own it's its own content, but like the, the bosses are Metal Gear Ray and Senator Armstrong. Okay. Also, uh, Jetstream Sam, by the way, uh, aside from like the arm that he holds a sword with, uh, he's completely unaugmented. He doesn't he doesn't have any like cyborg augmentations. Really, that's just like all armor. Yeah, and he didn't get the cyborg arm until uh, I believe at the end of his DLC when he joins up with Desperado. Okay. So, so during his DLC, he's like a hundred percent human. He's just in like a, a more advanced version of of stuff like the like the sneaking suit, like a super okay. advanced like, like body the... armor suit thing. But apparently, even that is kind of minimal, and he's just like a really really strong Brazilian guy. That's insane. <laughs> All 
Let me look him up on the Metal Gear wiki and see what his deal is again. What his deal is. He's a Brazilian master swordsman of the Rodriguez New Shadow School technique. Brazil. <laughs> uh, apparently the uh, the the voice actor's name is also Philip Anthony Rodriguez. How how so, appropriate. Yeah. Um early life and career. Uh, Samuel Rodriguez was descended from a long line of swordsmen dating back to 16th century Japan. <laughs> I I love this game. I want to replay it. Uh, he traveled the world as a mercenary... Uh, he was a bodyguard, he was a cleaner for the Mafia, he made a name in the criminal underworld, especially in South and Central America. He managed to take down a hit squad composed of 10 mob enforcers with automatic weapons using only his sword in the early 2000s, a, a time before cyborg technology was available. When is, I guess, wasn't, wasn't like Gray Fox like doing cyborg shit back in like 1999? Uh, I think that game takes place in like uh when does that fucking take place? Like two thousand five. Is it two thousand five? Yeah, I don't know why I said ninety nine, because that's when it like came out. <laughs> yeah. Um let me see here. Oh here solid. Setting. Why do I spell gray like like I'm fucking British. Yeah, Metal Gear Solid 1 takes place in 2005, and then Sons of Liberty is uh, 2007. Uh, or, sorry, the tanker is 2007, and the plant is 2009. Okay. Yeah. The future. So, yeah, uh, Sam was doing... Sam was, like, taking out people with his sword... Uh, before Gray Fox was even like a cyborg, probably. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. And before yeah. HF blades were a thing, probably. <laughs> uh, let's see here. In the early, I guess uh, it says like in the early two thousands, a time before cyborg technology was. I guess Gray Fox was like mid two thousands. With like prototype shit. Also, yeah, that. Or not also, pro- Sam, but like... Sam was just like some like Brazilian underground guy, organized <laughs> crime dude. Yeah, just a dude. <laughs> um. You deny your weapon its purpose. <laughs> I remember all that shit. Yeah. I love it. I love this game so much. <laughs> it's so goofy and dumb. Uh, yeah, so at the end of Sam's DLC, he like cuts off Armstrong's hand, and then Armstrong uses his nanomachines to turn his like stump into a blade. And then, like, uh, stabs Sam in the right arm. And that's why Sam has, like, a cyborg prosthetic for his right arm. 
So he almost took out Armstrong without any augmentations. That's insane. He is the strongest dude in Metal Gear. <laughs> Uh, also yeah he's one of the characters that um well i guess all the characters date back to the original kojima version before it was scrapped um Let's see. I'm trying to see what the... Uh... Who's your favorite, like, Metal Gear, like, villain? Not, not villain, but, like, boss, or, like, of the, like, squads out of the solid games. Like, if you're Sniper Wolves and the Pains or whatever, Vamps. Like, just, just my favorite boss, or, like, boss-type character? Well, like, which character do you like the most? Because my, my favorite is... Um... I don't like his boss fight, but I like Vulcan Raven. Just like, yeah, as a design. You know Vulcan what I mean? Vulcan Raven as a character is like really fun too. Yeah, that's just what I meant. Like as I, a, I also don't like his boss fight. I think his boss fight is really boring. Um, probably like my. There's not a lot of really great boss fights in MGS One, but Vulcan Ravens is probably my least favorite. Um. Uh, what a hmm. I like the end. The end is good. Yeah, yeah. Crust, crusty old lizard dude. He's he's he is crusty. Yeah, he's well. Yeah, he's so crusty that he dies of old age if you just leave the console on for two weeks. That's how I did it. Yeah. Isn't that, is, is it two weeks or two days? I forget. Something like that. I think that, it's two right? days, but I just fast forwarded my clock. Yeah. Um, I like the end. I like, um, I mean, which one is the D one? That one's obviously fun. Oh, the wasp guy in MGS3? Uh, yeah. The, is he the pain? Yeah, I think he is. Yeah. Yeah, the pain is the the hornet soldier of the Cobra unit. Yeah, so he's the bug guy. Um. And then you've got like in MGS one, you've got Ocelot, Mantis, Wolf, and Decoy Octopus. <laughs> isn't that MGS four? What? Decoy Octopus is that from like four or two? I forget. So I Decoy remember. Octopus was a member of. Was oh, it the Fox right. Hound? Um, who and it's actually he's actually the DARPA chief. He's, he's oh, in blackface okay. in MGS one. He's in disguise. <laughs> okay. So wait, so is he just pretending to like die from fox die, or does he actually die from the fox die? I think he actually dies. Okay, hold on. <laughs> yeah, he actually. I'm looking at it on the wiki. He actually does die of the fox die. So when like Snake <laughs> makes contact with him. The implication is that the DARPA chief had contracted fox die from snake and dies, but it's actually like decoy octopus. Okay, yeah. <laughs> what then? He just dies. Yeah, he just dies. 
Okay, he lies to Snake, saying that the terrorists had successfully obtained the code. Vulcan Raven is the one who tells you that he's he's a fake. But why? Do, so that okay, he's just that dedicated. Yeah. Well, no, you 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 meet him, and he's supposed to be in disguise. He's supposed to be misdirecting you, and then he just dies right. when the box die because Snake showed up. Okay. Yeah. Oh, right, because Snake, it's a virus. Yeah. And Snake has it. Yeah. Yeah, Snake is like the vector that they used to spread it to all the... Yeah. To kill specific people by recognizing a person's DNA. What a... What a... I love Metal Gear... <laughs> and then and then they had in the in four obviously right they had the octopus because they were all based off the original yeah they were all fakes though they were using like tech to mimic them i think yeah yeah um yeah they're the, they're snake hound is what they were called in, in four, right? Because they were all the, they were like, they're hunting snake. Because you got screaming mantis, laughing octopus, raging raven, and crying wolf. I need to replay four. It's been forever. Yeah. Um. I want to replay all of them actually, but there's a part, the ending of Metal Gear Survive. I know. I know. Um, from what I remember, Metal Gear Survive turns out to be a future where nanomachines have run rampant. So you actually didn't, like, get warped into a new dimension. You got sent to the future. Um, and that big monster is, like, just a big nanomachine gray goo blob, right? Okay. Um, and all those crystals are also, like, nanomachine lattices that are, like, controlling the zombies. Uh... So if I remember right, the game ends with you like sending a kid back in time, and that kid is, I think, implied to be like someone important in Metal Gear. Uh, I don't remember who it's supposed to be though. The wiki isn't really giving me any uh, any tips on it. I guess nobody cared enough about Metal Gear Survive to <laughs> to really uh, explain it. Um, let me see here. There's people who think that decoy octopus is venom snake. Uh, that's kind of stupid. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't make any fucking sense. Alright, let's see. Good luck, otherwise known as Chris. This is the kid you send back in time. What? Um, because he's also giving you orders from the past where he's an adult. 
This sounds dumb, but not like in the fun way that Metal yeah. Gear usually is. Um. What was the, what was the four? It was Dead Cell, right? And two, that was the team. Uh, so Good Luck gets warped to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania in 1943, which is a reference to the Philadelphia Experiment. Okay. Yeah. I don't. <laughs> so there's like a whole time loop plot thing to it. It's weird. Oh, and he's... Because you send him back in time as a child and he is an adult giving you like orders, like pre-planned orders in the future. And he's he's Mobius. Yeah. Why, why is... <laughs> yeah, his, his Japanese voice actor is the guy who dubs Lawrence Fishburne in Japanese movies. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't think of the... the... Lawrence Fishburne. I can only think of not Mobius. What's his name? Morpheus. <laughs> Furious Styles. Mobius is the fucking art guy. Yeah, Mobius is the that comic we were talking guy. about last week. Yeah. Have you seen that game Sable? Uh, no. Uh, I think so. Yeah, that's the one that has like the European comic look to it, right? It's got the mo. Yeah. It's like an open worldy sort of Breath of the Wild type deal. Sort of, but it's, I think it's more like, it's, it's like a little bit closer to like journey on the like open world spectrum than like Breath okay. of the Wild. Yeah. Where it's a little more like for the sake yeah, of just, exploration. Yeah. I'm just looking at like the actual mechanics of it and it seems like, like kind of Breath of the Wild-y. But, oh, does it? I, I don't know. I haven't. Like, just, it, it like, seems like there's like like stamina and climbing and that kind of thing. Oh, okay. But, you get uh, a cool bike, and it looks yeah, it cool. looks like you get a cool bike. It's on this Game Pass. I've been thinking about playing it, and it's got music by Japanese Breakfast. So, and I really like her music. I'm probably gonna re up Game Pass for Forza when that comes out. So I might. You should re up it for uh, Age of Empires Four, and then play Age of Empires Four with me. When it comes out in like ten days, I haven't even finished one through three. Well, don't worry. You don't need. You don't need to know the the plot. <laughs> the lore. The lore. Um. There is like weird like like because in three you like find the fountain of youth and then it's like what? <laughs> There's like a full campaign in three with like characters and stuff. That's weird. I guess they wanted to do like the the, the command and conquer sort of deal. I guess. Well, Age of Mythology also has like a storyline, but that makes sense because you can just like create like you just have like hero units and like yeah, you can do like you can make it like Warcraft where you have hero units and then they're all like it's like Agamemnon and fucking yeah. Odysseus or whatever. Right, right. And that that sort of makes sense because then because then you like. You get like, you go, it, it goes from like the Odyssey, an agent of uh, mythology, and you're like, oh no, like it has the same sort of setup, but then you end up in like Egypt. <laughs> That's and they're cool. just like, we worship different gods here. It's just, just different. 
did you hear that uh, KOF 98 UMFE Ultimate Match Final Edition is getting a rollback netcode beta test starting tomorrow? No, I, I, I didn't. But that sounds cool. Yeah, it means you won't have to play 98 on Fightcade anymore, and you won't have to play the vanilla version of 98 anymore. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, it's a, it's a good game. I like KOF 98. Um, and it getting rollback is kind of what I've been waiting for since they started announcing these rollback patches for a bunch of SNK games. Yeah. Yeah. Like all the Samurai Showdown ones got. Yeah, the Samurai Showdown collection has really bad rollback implementation, by the way. Oh, does it? Yeah, it's it, that one's by digital. That one's by Digital Eclipse, who did the Street Fighter collection that I don't think had rollback at all. Um, what was the one we were playing for a while then? We might have been playing Five Special, which got its That's own. Was, yeah. Stand, yeah, that has its own standalone PC port yeah, yeah. that has uh, rollback. And that, that, that one's good. That one's by uh, Code Mystics, who are doing the KOF uh, netcode. <clears throat> they also did, like, KOF 97, 2002. Um, uh, the Last Blade 2, I think, got one. Garo got one. So, like, 98 is, like, the capstone. It's like, okay, we're taking everything we, we've learned and we're applying it to the game that everyone wanted to roll back for in the first place. Which is cool, you know? I like KOF 98 a lot. I never really played a lot of those. Uh, SNK fighters in general. Yeah. I've just never like... like They're all pretty... Like, dipping my toe into Samurai Showdown 5 Special with you is like the most I've ever really played. They're all pretty dramatically different. Even like Sam Show games are fairly different from one another. And yeah. KOF very dramatically is different game to game. Um 97 and 98 are probably the closest to each other. And I guess 14 and 15 are looking to be pretty similar as well. Um, but yeah, uh, generally speaking, when SNK makes a fighting game, they like try something like dramatically different every time they make one, which is cool. But it also means that like pe people pick their favorites, right? Yeah. So which is why people are still playing 98 and 97 and nobody's really giving a shit about like uh kof 11 which is the one with the tag mechanic i think <laughs> yeah the weird thing about like sorry to just like completely change the subject back to age of empires but i was thinking about it um so like age of empires one came out and or like one and two happened, and they were very similar games. Like two, sort of just two was like it. basically like a big expansion for one, right? Two was two basically two. Think of two as like the Star Fox sixty four to Star Fox, right? Where okay. it's like oh, it's like the same game, but it's different in quotation marks. Um, it uses it uses the same engine. Uh, yeah. It's like, like Warcraft and Warcraft 2. Okay, that's probably the better analogy than Star Fox then. Um, but, like, Age of Empires 2 is, like, the one, you know, that everyone knows yeah. and everyone played. And then Age of Empires 3 comes out, and it's set in, like, colonial times. And oh, then, 
you have like you're like you're like colonizing but and you can like trade with the like with the home city of your empire but then there's also like native american tribes that you can play as and it's weird like it's well, because they also did Age of Mythology in between, which made it like more Warcrafty, and they wanted to make Age of Empires three like more strategy y. Yeah. Like, okay, yeah. it's a little more like even just a little more like four xy, even yeah. than like a Warcraft. <laughs> I was about um, to say actually, um, have you ever played Sid Meier's Colonization? No. It's like a colony building game built on uh, Civ 4's engine. Okay. So I played like a knockoff version of that as a kid. I had some like sim- very similar game uh, on PC as a kid. but So it's technically, from what I understand, if I remember right, it's technically an expansion for Civ 4. So you need to have Civ 4 installed, and then you install Colonization, and then you can play Colonization. Oh, um, it's like an expansion? It's like an expansion, but it's like a total conversion. So it's a different game on the same engine. Interesting. Um, yeah. So it still has like four <laughs> X elements, but more of it is about like the actual colony building aspect. It's it's kind of neat. I I really like strategy games. I just don't play them a lot because they are like a time. Very sink. time consuming. Yeah. Yeah, they can be. I played the entire campaign for Age of Mythology a while back, and that was, like, a lot. <laughs> yeah. That's still my favorite. It's probably just nostalgia, because it was the one I played the most as a kid. Like, when I was really into, like, Greek mythology and stuff. But it's just fun. It's, like, it's just Age of Empires, but you can also, like, you just have, like, minotaurs. <laughs> yeah. I really, uh, I really, really like Warcraft Three. It's a shame that Blizzard made it so I can't play the copy of the game that I paid for. Yeah, I need to play. I played Warcraft Two. Um, I need to play Three eventually and Starcraft. So, three's big thing is that the campaign is like way more story driven than the previous yeah. games. Um, and it's sort of the foundation for all the Warcraft lore uh, that they kind of just stopped giving a shit about around the time that like Cataclysm happened in WoW, but. Anyway, um, it's cool. Warcraft 3 and, like, uh, WoW through to, like, the end of Lich King is, like, basically one big story. Okay. There's a pretty so cool like, one. That's cool that it's, like, that must have been cool to, like, be someone who played, like, Warcraft 3 and then been like, oh, wow, now it's, like, an MMO with this story. Yeah. Well, the, I mean, the big bad raid boss of of wrath of the lich king is the lich king who's the main villain from warcraft 3 yeah um yeah it's also when i think i think wrath is when they introduced the death knight and if you played death knight and ran the raid you could get uh frostmourne which is the the sword Have you ever played the uh, Age of Empires games for the DS? Uh, no, I didn't know. They're like they're they're like um, Advance Wars. Okay. They're like kind of decent 
like advanced wards knockoff games hmm. where you like build units and do like turn based it's that's a really like interesting like choice for a ds port of a rts yeah because there were rts's on the ds too yeah, there were. There's, uh, there's a Final Fantasy XII RTS on the DS. There's a Lego RTS as well. Yeah. I guess, like, literally having a mouse pointer in the form of the stylus just kind of lets you do some stuff you can't you can't do normally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just kind of a shame what happened to Warcraft. It's kind of a shame what happened to Blizzard. Yeah, fucking ew. Yeah. And some of those some of those guys were like around from like I wanna say the earliest hires of the people that got named in the suit were like uh around the time Wrath or no, around the time Burning Crusade happened is I think when they got brought on at the earliest, which is still pretty early. Um, yeah. That's, uh, TBC was what, like 2005? And a lot of them were, like, active community members that had been talking to... TBC was 2007. So, a lot of them were also, like, active community members that had been talking to, you know, Blizzard staff about stuff in the game. So, like, they had working relationships with Blizzard before that. Apparently there's a board game that's based off of Age of Empires 3. Yeah, there's a, a lot of game licenses get licensed for board games. There's like a like, bunch of Resident Evil board games. Oh yeah, but like yeah. a strategy game sort of makes sense. Like you can... Yeah. There's something to adapt there at least. There was a really cool Halo miniatures war game that came out for a while and it didn't really get a lot of adoption. It kind of died. The minis were, like, really cool, though. Uh, what's the... Wasn't there, like, a Bloodborne board game? Yeah, I think so. I'm pretty sure you had to paint the minis for that one, too. This looks... This looks fun. No, in fact, it doesn't. I don't... (laughs) Do you like tabletop games like that? I know you like cards, but like, do you like busting out some Catan? Yeah, I like Catan. Um, I never played Catan. I would like to play Catan. I know people who own Catan who could Catan spend an evening is explaining a, it to me. Catan is a very simple game that is just like really, really difficult to explain. Okay. Yeah. the The gist of it is. Uh, the tiles on the board produce resources based on dice rolls, right? Yeah. And uh, you use those resources, you spend those resources to expand your 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 um, your board, basically, right? So yeah. you start with like two towns and two roads, and then you spend the resources to build more towns and roads, and there's a couple different uh, there's a couple different ways to score points, and when you have enough points, you win. That's the win condition. Okay. 
And then, like, if you want it to be more complex, there's, like, expansion sets and stuff. But the basic gist of Catan is work towards building enough points by uh, generating and expending resources. Um, so it's you... Yeah, but the, the other thing about Catan is that it's really difficult to be able to generate every resource. Right. It generally, like, it, it's just the, the tiles are randomized at the start of the game, and it's hard to get a placement where you can get everything uh especially consistently because of the way the uh the dice rolls for the resources pan out but um so you have to trade if you want to work on your win condition but that means your opponents have to be willing to trade with you okay yeah yeah because yeah. it's not like it's not a video game yeah they'll still trade with you. yeah yep well because they you... need resources too to, to yeah. reach their win condition right so Um, so, have you ever played Betrayal at the House on the Hill? Or Betrayal um, at House on the Hill? No, but I have some friends who have played it. It's probably the best, like, board game experience I have had. Um, it's sort of like Clue, but, like, with a little more involvement and a little more complex, because you have, like, characters with stats... Yeah, it's still like a like a room builder kind of like clue, right? Yeah, so you have like a deck of tiles, right? And and you start in this mansion, and when your character enters a new room, you draw a tile from the tile deck. And so each time you play, it's a different house, you know? Yeah. Um, and then different things, ha there's different conditions. There's like omen cards and item cards and different things that happen for different levels of the um room but it then looks like once... the, uh, it looks like the character you pick impacts the game too at least it does so like yeah. so like you can pick um there's different characters like any uh i don't know if you there's like these little like hexagonal like little character tiles yeah um and you have little sliders for your stats so each character starts with like different stats so if you pick like the jock you're more strong or whatever yeah um and then those stats can go down because some of them are like sanity or like there's certain things that'll happen it'll be like lose strength or whatever or you have to do checks sometimes um yeah but the cool thing about it is that once you open a certain number of rooms and draw a certain number of omen cards um the game changes into the second phase and depending on, I think it depends on which omen card you drew on the last one. Um, you look in this book, and it has like maybe like fifteen different scenarios, and then it like one of the players or multiple players become like the bad guy. Yeah. Right, and it's whoever. I think it's like whoever dies or something like like the last time I played it like. Someone like awakened a Lich King, and then one of the players became the Lich King for the second phase. And so there were like zombie tokens, and they were like moving them around to block off rooms. And so it becomes like this, like it's. I really like it because it's like you can. It's got a lot of replay value. Yeah, it looks like there's some like licensed spinoff versions too. There's like a D and D one and a Scooby Doo one. That makes sense. Yeah, I, the Scooby Doo one. Is cool and yeah, the D and D one. 
One that I've always wanted to play, I never got a chance to, um, but people have told me is really, really good, uh, is Lords of Waterdeep. Yeah, I've heard of that one. Yeah. Um, which is a board game uh, where you you basically, like, recruit adventurers and send them on quests and stuff. Um, and, like, the, the more you do, the more influence over the city you have. That's really cool. I, yeah. Like, as a premise. Yeah. Want to watch, uh, here's, the demo video has Will Wheaton and Felicia Day in it. Oh, no. Yeah. Well, because it came out in 2012, so that's exactly Okay. The, yeah. <laughs> so there's the base game, which is 50 bucks, uh, and the expansion is 40. And that's it. That's all there is for Lords of Waterdeep, it looks like. I don't like Will Wheaton. Yeah. I like Wesley Crusher as a character more than I like Will Wheaton as a person. That's that's very damning. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's extreme. <laughs> Are you sure about that? That's that's pretty brutal. Yeah, because Wesley Crusher is like meant to be obnoxious, but like Will Wheaton is just a dude who chooses to be obnoxious. Okay, fair enough. You think, like, playing Wesley Crusher for so long would make him, like, a little more self-aware. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I don't know if we talked about it on the podcast, but I've talked is, about it before, and there's, is like... the problem this, that he's, like, too self-aware? Yeah, there's, like, there's like there was, like, this weird era of, like, nerd grifter celebrities because of shit like Dr. Horrible and, like, the later Star Trek stuff. He was um, in... Will Wheaton was in the Big Bang Theory, too. He played... He played himself, yeah. But he yeah. was Sheldon's Magic the Gathering knockoff rival. Yeah. Um, and then they did like a whole like like will we like con zoom out? They did like a full. That was like like the only time like the Big Bang Theory was like kind of clever is when they like decided they were going to do the full like planet zoom out from like Star Trek Two when he does the con scream. Yeah. But it's like that's like that's it. That's the best joke you guys have had in like twelve seasons. <laughs> You're saying Will Wheaton instead of Khan? My only distinct memory of, of Big Bang Theory is um the uh, uh, I'm trying to remember what it's called now. I've watched like all of it. Okay. Yeah, the the only my only distinct memory of like catching it on cable very occasionally when it was on and there was nothing else to watch was uh they had an episode that was like very blatantly like a paid product placement for Age of Conan. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas like it was using footage. Yeah. Like in game, like the South Park because it was like after that South Park World of Warcraft episode was, came out where they did that. Because Age of Conan came out in like 2013, so it was like brand new at the time. Do you want to play Big Bang Theory Clue? No. Me either. <laughs> but yeah, I've, I think I've watched every episode of Big Bang Theory. Um, uh, I'm sorry. It was on in my house a lot yeah. before I moved out. Another one that I've seen that's cool, uh, board games. Uh, Not Big Bang Lord Theory the episodes? The Lord of the Rings deck building game. That one is cool. My dad told me about that. Yeah, so it, 
the the thing that's cool about it is that it has like an expansion for for each like it has a two towers expansion and it has a a return of the king expansion if i remember right um and it's fully compatible you just add them to the deck of cards and then you just you just play so my most distinct memory of lord of the rings deck building game is like walking into like my lgs and it was technically closed but it was open people were just hanging out they just weren't selling anything so that they could technically not treat it as a business that way they could have jello shots while playing uh lord of the rings deck building game right okay (laughs) so everyone was just like sitting around just like hammering back jello shots and playing fucking lord of the rings that sounds fun yeah wasn't there like a star wars uh card game or was that more like a there was like an actual star wars tcg tcg yeah 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 my dad said he played that in like college (laughs) yeah uh the star wars the star wars tcg community is so dedicated that they've basically like been producing fan-made booster packs for the game that's that's cool yeah and and like they're very very serious about it like they they put a lot of play testing and r&d into it um just to keep producing stuff to keep the game alive which is super cool most card games don't have that luxury uh if you want to play vampire the eternal struggle uh sorry you can't i wonder there's probably multiple star trek tabletop games probably i know there's a star trek version of Catan. there's star trek risk yeah there's Um, there's risk for just about every sci-fi ip you can think of yeah halo risk there's transformers risk I mean, it's like um, Monopoly for you know what I mean. Yeah, it's like Monopoly. The game doesn't change that much. There's, I want, I want to see if there's like one from the '60s that looks corny and fun. Yeah, apparently one where you Lord like of have the Rings, to spin the Enterprise. Apparently, the Lord of the Rings deck building game is like out of print now, and it's like super expensive. Oh, that sucks. Let me check on Amazon. Uh, actually, no, it's still in print. Cryptozoic is still putting this out, apparently. Um, there's a Star Trek Next Generation interactive <laughs> right. VCR board game. For, forget, forget the forget the Lord of the Rings deck building game. The same company has put this out. Hang on. Oh, Dark Knight's Metal. Yeah, this is deck a Dark Knight's game? Metal deck building game. Apparently it's compatible with like the DC Rebirth deck building game. So it's like an expansion. That's cool. Yeah. Um I think for what this is though, the, the Lord of the Rings theme is, is cooler. I would rather do that. I think yeah, I would too. Yeah. Has there ever been like a cool like Gundam tabletop game? Uh not on this side of the Pacific. I mean like has there been one on the other side of the Pacific? Yes, like, there that, is. That, that sort of tabletop culture isn't as much of a thing in Japan, right? Tabletop RPGs are kind of like a thing there, and like TCGs are really big, but uh, board games, from what I understand, are not a huge thing over yeah. there. Um, so there is an officially licensed a Gundam version. 5e module. Oh no. There's bad. there's an officially licensed version of Mekton Second Edition that is a total conversion to Gundam, and it was only sold in Japan, in Japanese. 
and it's never been I mean, fully translated into English. If you want to play like a mecha tabletop RPG, just play Lancer now. Like, I want to play that like Filipino one. Uh, I'm trying to remember the name of it now. It's like the I Filipino really... word for like journeyman. Uh, Maharlika. I, I probably butchered the pronunciation of that. I'm sorry if any of our listeners are Filipino. I I, I don't speak it. Um, Meaning Freeman. I don't speak I don't speak Tagalog or whatever the language is called. I forget. But yeah, it's called Maharlika. Um, this looks cool. So the thing that really sold me on it is like here's one piece of official art for it, right? Yeah, very Yoji Shinkawa, right? Here's here's another piece of official art for it. Okay, so it's got like Lancer is kind of like that too, where they just yeah. have like different artists. Yeah, and all like all like the mech names are are in like Tagalog too, so they're like all really wild names. These look cool though. Yeah. Yeah, I'm actually interested in this. I think it's on like Drive Through RPG or something. Um Maharlika... Maharlika... Oh, it's on itch. You have to buy the you have to buy it on itch. Yeah, yeah. That's how Lancer was. Yeah. That's how I got it. I bought it I I got it in a bundle. It's twenty five bucks, and I've already spent too much on tabletop RPGs this year, so I'm gonna put it in my favorites bar and pretend I care about it. <laughs> there you go. I I bought the, I I kickstarted that Cora, uh, Avatar, tabletop RPG already, so I don't I don't have the money for more right now. Or the time. oh yeah yeah that was cool. The that's the one that's like using Powered by the Apocalypse, right? Yeah, it's like a really weird, heavily modified version of Powered by the Apocalypse. Well, yeah, there's a bajillion things that are really weird, heavily modified yeah. versions of. The thing about Lancer is that I just don't like the mech designs that much. Like they're cool, but they're not what I want <laughs> for like my mech. Like I want Gundams. <laughs> I'm sorry. I know like these are cool. Like these are so cool, but I want. I just want Gundams. Oh, <laughs> uh, the thing is super cool though. Like this one's my favorite out of the Lancer mix. It's like a four. It's a, it's it's like a four legged. It's like it's a still centaur. Got, it's still got little arms for a gun. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's cool. It's like a More Zoid with a gun. Mix. It's a Zoid with it's a it's like a Zoid Gundam Centaur. Yeah. <laughs> but I like I don't want my mix to look too much like people. You know, like these look like Warframes. Yeah. In Lancer. Which, like, no, no shit to anyone who worked on Lancer. I guess. I mean, all of this is really cool. There are, there's some more that are more like, like BattleTech sort of, like more just straight up. Yeah, that one's cool. It's got like a weird like sensor module for a head. Yeah. Yeah. And 
This one just has big boobs. Booba? No, wait, I think that's a lady in power armor. Oh, yeah, probably. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> this is like... This is just like... This one is just almost a Zaku. Okay, yeah. so maybe Lancer has enough variety. Yeah. Yeah, there seems to be like a decent amount here. It's just going for like a very distinct aesthetic. Yeah. They I like look that very, they, they look like, like that, weirdly organic, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I like that they a lot of the plates look like they're like reactive armor, if you know what that is. Yeah, yeah. It's it's the stuff that like explodes and balloons out when you shoot it, so it, it absorbs the shock of like things hitting it. I I would love to play Lancer. But then yeah. sometimes they look like this also. Which like it's they also there's like different companies in the world that compete and make different kinds too. So like Yeah. Well also there's different artists making different stuff here. This yeah. one says it's custom content, so that's probably oh, does why it? it looks weird. Okay. Yeah. That one looks very like I mean it's it's a one winged angel, like whatever. Like yeah. It has one one giant wing. <clears throat> There's some of these that are very like Ava feeling, and some that are more. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta play more uh, tabletop games again. Like COVID has kind of prevented me from doing that. Um. Really love Card Fight Vanguard. Wish there was a way to play it with other human beings right now. Oh, did you see that the um, the Lyrical Monasterio booster set is coming out in like two days? Uh, did you send me something about that? Was that the video so. that you sent me that I didn't watch? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> There's also a trial deck out now, so like you can literally just pick up a lyrical monasterio thing start playing the game and then get what you need from the booster so yeah vanguard does this weird thing where they did it in the original vanguard there were like i think 24 different uh tribes that the cards could be part of uh and there was one called bermuda triangle that always had its own separate booster sets and they were all like they were all like uh, idol girls, but they were like underwater idol girls. That was their thing, right? Um, and then uh, since this is the Overdress reboot, uh, which in in lore takes place like a thousand years after the other Vanguard stuff, um, Bermuda Triangle has become a new nation called uh, Lyrical Monasterio, which is like a city on the back of a giant flying whale. That's cool. I love stuff like that. Yeah. And so they all go to idol school to become idols. So there's like different themes. There's like the cat girl idol. There's one that like talks to ghosts. Uh, there's one that uh, there's one that's like the leader of like a school club. And then the, the way their the way their ride lines work is the, the grade zero Vanguard is like them when they're like first getting into the school. And then the, the grade three Vanguard is uh the the final year when they're like uh ready to graduate 
and then as you go from like grade one, two, three, it's like each year of them in the in the in the idol academy. I'm just looking at Lancer stuff still. <laughs> yeah. Because I, I opened up, I went to their website, and I opened up, um, they had a link. I forgot about this. Uh, I'll, send you, I'll send you the link. But it's like a, a little character creator and like content manager, right? Yeah. And like when you open it up, it's like it's like all in universe. Not all in universe, but it's like, it's meant to be like this. It has like this very software look that's supposed to be like, the connection between the pilot and the mech, right? Yeah. And it's just really cool looking. Welcome, Lancer. Input command. Oh, that's neat. They put, like, a lot of effort into this. Yeah, I mean, they got a lot of money on Kickstarter, so... (laughs) Yeah. Genghis, Napoleon... Goblin. Goblin. Okay, so they each have like different core themes, right? So there's like the the more kind of wiry uh, and chunky, like sort of utilitarian looking ones. There's ones that are a a bit more like um, indulgent. They have like limbs, like human like limbs and like big wings and stuff like that. Those are all Uh, different. It's like different companies, right? Yeah. There's ones that are like a bit like freakier and inhuman, and then there's ones that are like uh, sort of very polished and chunky and like very kind of like this is a Titan from Titanfall kind of look. Yeah, that's the. Yeah, yeah. They, they are very Titany, and then you're that's like. Cool. But then they also have the like. There's a couple that like the Nelson or not the Nelson the Lancaster. That's like the four legged one. Yeah. Yeah, and that one looks like a Boston Dynamics dog that's just really big. Yeah. <laughs> a, a Boston Dynamics dog you could ride. Yeah. I'm probably I'm pretty sure they could support your weight. You could probably already ride one. Yeah, but the Boston Dynamic <laughs> you 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 shouldn't because then your legs will get caught in their fucking in their legs. What are you um, talking about? Just mount I mean, a chair to like the top of okay. it. Okay. If you if you I thought you meant just like ride it as like like you would like a, a horse. <laughs> I mean you could, I guess, if you wanted to, but you could just like weld a chair to like the but, top of a Boston Dynamics. I was stuff. I was reading Probably. I was reading some Boston Dynamics stuff about because people had posted stuff because uh, they're starting to roll them out for like fucking cops to use them and stuff. Yeah. Um like they have a battery pack at the top and you can rip it out. Like yeah, that's, so that's, I read that like that's, that's where you go for if you get attacked by one of those. So that's those actually dogs. really really bad advice, and I'll tell you is why. It? Yeah, there's like four different models, and the battery access hatches in like four different places on them. Okay, <laughs> um, and you're more likely to just get your arm like mangled machinery if you try to do that. Uh, the better option is to just throw like a bucket of paint at them. That makes sense. Or even better, uh, paint latex paint mixed with dish soap will get in the joints. There is no way they can completely hermetically seal that thing, and it will just completely fuck it up. Yeah. But it also said, like, do not, like, do not, like, get your hands near the joints, like, where the limbs are. Yeah. Because, like, they, they have already well, had technicians, like, lose hands. 
yeah that's the problem because it like moves right yeah so you're you're better off just like the paint will fuck with all the sensors it will get in like all the joints and fuck it up uh anywhere that's not like perfectly sealed it's gonna leak in and fuck with the circuitry like it's the, the best way to combat these things is to just stick them with some kind of fluid that will be significantly worse for them than water um a lot of a lot of what happens there was a like a roboticist talking about this on on twitter a while ago but uh in agriculture they use a lot of these agriculture robots in, in like orchards and stuff right and they they they're designed to spray pesticides and uh the pesticides have these like uh ingredients that cause them to be like viscous and stick to things um usually it's like dish soap but they use some other agents for it too right those agriculture robots, they've tried everything to keep that shit from getting inside them. It doesn't work. Because they're just designed to, like... <laughs> but I'm talking <laughs> machines literally designed to keep this stuff out. Can't keep it out. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, imagine uh, a police Boston Dynamics robot that isn't properly sealed in the first place that's walking around in New York where they use road salt in the winter. Now, imagine you dump, like, a bunch of, like, dish soap paint mixture shit on it. Yeah, that thing's, that thing's yeah. screwed. And, and things it, not. Yeah. And it's going to cost them, like, a bazillion dollars to repair it, right? You get fucked Boston Dynamics. Yeah, exactly. Then the whole thing is like performative in the first place, right? Like they don't really serve any kind of meaningful function. No. It's like, oh, cool. The the robot can open a door. You know what a police officer can do? A lot more than that. Yeah, open a door. <laughs> no, I think the boston dynamics says a lot of the intended applications are for like search and rescue stuff where you want you have like a hazard zone where you're going to send something out and they already do use robots for this but yeah 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 um and that is like it's just been it's just been around twitter because like there was some document that got posted of one of them with a big gun on top (laughs) yeah and that's for like private security or something and even then um the the applications are limited that's the thing right like even if you get like a pretty good robot, um, there's, it's never going to be as effective as like just a human being with a gun. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. unless you're building like a robotic tank or something, in which case it's a fucking tank. Yeah, but cops already have those in America. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah, the whole thing is like it's performative. It's like we're the police. We're so advanced. Look at our cool robot. You know. There isn't really a practical application for them, and they know that. Um, yeah, but yeah, the 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 applications of those things, because of like the kind of terrain they can traverse, um, like the actual search and rescue applications of those are actually really really interesting. Like if you get stuck in like a landslide or something, they're they're super useful for that. Yeah, that makes sense. I kind of want to. I kind of want to do Lancer and do the big Boston Road Boston <laughs> Dynamics dog. Yeah. 
Oh, it's like an it's an upgraded civilian. That's what that's what's really cool about. I love mechs that are like supposed to be civilian mechs or whatever. Like for like like Pat Labor. Yeah. Well, those were like police mechs or something, weren't they? Well, the thing in Pat Labor is they are the police. They are police mechs because they are policing mechs. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right, like they are—they are the police mech unit because they have automated mechs that do all the work in the city. And Pat Labor are like the cops for those mechs when they go haywire. Yeah. So they had their own special ones, but there's also a bunch of just like, like garbage truck mechs or whatever. Like automated ones that just do like a job. Yeah, yeah. that's why they're called. That's why it has labor in it. Yeah. Because it's it's a mix of patrol and labor. Because that's what they call the regular ones, or labors. Oh, okay, yeah. So the the yeah, watch Pat Labor if you want a show that is like that. The episode of Evangelion where they have to stop the robot from getting to the like nuclear plant or whatever, but it's like actually the, 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 good. The robot is the nuclear plant. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's jet alone is like the whole point is that it's like overloading and it's gonna like blow up. It's been a while. Yeah, but it's it was actually nerve like sabotaging it. Um, and the only reason it stops is because uh, uh, I think Misato's inside it. Right, and she like almost dies. Yeah, and. Like, uh, I think what happens is uh, Ritsuko is the one who sabotages it. And they send Misato inside to try and stop it. Uh, but Ritsuko knows full well that she won't be able to. And so at the last moment, Ritsuko is the one who actually shuts it down. If I remember right. Because like the idea was to actually to have it blow up so it would completely discredit the, the competition. Um, and then Misato just decided to like go inside it. <laughs> There's some I want to watch Pat Labor because there's some cool ones. There's some really cool ones. Yeah. Like uh, I can't get a high quality picture of this one, but the just Google like Hal X10. Oh, here's a good picture. It's like sort of a big Zam, but like oh, that's cool. Not quite. <laughs> No, it's like a really big Tachikoma. Yeah, from from Ghost in the Shell. Yeah. Yeah, that tracks. <laughs> this one was a this one sometimes they're just military mechs that go haywire. So they're not always um like a school bus or whatever. Yeah. But <laughs> sometimes they're just like so, there's one that there's one that's like a rescue like i mean there's just there are all sorts of different stuff that's what i think that's cool about about it like just seeing the mechs being used for like day-to-day stuff yeah uh so there's a there's a new asap rock album coming out yeah you were sending me some of the singles that had already dropped from it yeah one of them isn't a single that dropped from it one of them is just a single um, oh, okay 
the the mf doom one is like a standalone track okay yeah that makes sense yeah also it's it's super weird now having like a track come out it's been almost a year since that dude passed away and there's still songs coming out with his voice on it yeah i mean mac miller just released a new album so yeah um yeah and, uh, and apparently, like, Mad Villainy 2 is, like, actually happening, and, like, Mad Lib is finishing it, and he's gonna put it out, which means we're gonna get, like, an entire MF Doom album probably more than a year after he died. Yeah, I mean... As a, Mac, uh, as a, like, big Mac Miller fan, it's, like, not that surreal to me. I just kind of got used to it already. <laughs> I think it's, like, surreal with MF Doom specifically because he already is, like, this weird, mysterious figure. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Like, people know a lot about his early life, like the, um, the Zevlov X stuff, right? But after that, like, his entire life is just this really vague mystery for the most part. Like, there's a few things, like, when he got deported to the UK, um... And uh, when he was doing, like, uh, open mic shows and stuff when he was first, like, forming the MF Doom persona. But for the most part, he's just like a, he was just like a recluse, right? So, like, a lot yeah. of people didn't know what he was up to most of the time. Very, led a very, very private life, which is something not many people in the hip-hop uh, game can, can really say. That's true. Why did he do that? Like, what do we know? Uh, I guess he just kind of felt burned by, like, the whole hip-hop industry after the KMD stuff and wanted to kind of do his own thing. He still wanted to make stuff and make, yeah. Yeah, he still wanted to make stuff. He just didn't want to be, like, a celebrity, I guess. I saw this. I saw this TikTok. I think it was a TikTok, and it was a guy at like New York City Comic Con with like an MF Doom cosplay. Yeah. And he had like he was like he was like I I have to walk home with the full mask and jacket because if I take it off, it's just a striped shirt and pants, and that's basically a Chris Chan cosplay. <laughs> <laughs> Mode change. <laughs> I'll try and find it and send it to you after the podcast. <laughs> it was funny. Which drive form is this one? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, apparently there's like some big special airing on abc tonight uh it might be airing already um about chris chan no not about chris chan that would be completely surreal i would definitely think i like mandela affected myself if i ever saw that on tv um I thought you just slipped into a coma yeah uh no um it's called the real queens of hip-hop i think it's called okay Uh, it's it's airing on ABC, uh, and it's just a big special about the legacy of women in hip hop, which is kind of cool because you don't usually hear a lot about female rappers. Yeah. Um, so it's 
you know, it's 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 really neat because it's not something you normally get to see a lot of. Um, it's, I mean, hip hop has always been like a male dominated industry, right? Yeah. Uh, so when you get people like Queen Latifah, Roxanne Chante, um, who do you want to name drop? Um, Rhapsody. Salt and Pepper. That's new. Rhapsody's kind of new, but yeah, she's really good. Actually, like recently, there's been a lot more, but it's been like I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to sound like a boomer, but it's been more like of the like your Cardi B's or your. Yeah. Nicki Minaj, which is like fine, right? But like, there's there's not a lot of women in like the more. You like uh, you like Missy Elliott. I like Missy Elliott. I think Missy Elliott's very creative. Yeah, you like Lil um, Kim. I like Lil, yeah, Lil Kim. Uh, um, there was like who was the one that was like that did like the like. Almost how about, like, uh, how about Lauren, stuff. How about Lauren, Lauren Hill? Hill? Lauren Hill's the big one. <laughs> Lauren Hill's the biggest one. Yeah, wow. How did I not? Uh, uh, what's she get that Donda? What's who's, who's, who's the lady from Rough Riders? Was that Eve? Eve? Eve, right? Eve was she she got hair so long that it looked like weave and then she cut it all off and it looked like Eve. Yeah. <laughs> what is that from? That's the Kanye song. That's All Falls Down. Yeah. Lauren um, Hill is, yeah, the big one. Yeah. Uh, uh, who's, who's the one recently that's been doing stuff with the guy from... Uh, hundred gex. Oh, Rico Nasty. Yeah, that's not really him, but that's like that's like weird shit beyond. <laughs> There's like a lot more like. Hey, I'm gonna send you female rappers recently though that are like. You know, I'm gonna send you the version of Roxanne's Revenge that was as like actually the like street recording of it. Okay, I don't think I, I don't know if I've ever heard this. This was in '84, by the way. This was like pre, like NWA. Okay, yeah, yeah, early shit. Yeah. Have you ever listened to Rhapsody? Uh, I don't remember. They're like they have they're like newer, but they have like they did songs with like RZA and stuff like that. I probably heard like something from them if you were to play it for me. If they did stuff yeah. with like RZA, because I would have heard it from the RZA side of things. Um, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, you don't see a lot of female rappers who are like. doing that sort of not that so i don't know like i i don't want to sound like a, a sex negative person right i'm not saying like the like your cardi b's or whatever are like are not real rappers or not whatever but like i don't know i want some like i want to i want more female backpack rappers <laughs> yeah 
Yeah, I all mean, we is, all we have is No Name and Rhapsody. Like, uh, it, 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 it it makes sense that there's like a lot of sexually charged female rap because it's it's like an it's empowerment like reclaiming thing. something. Yeah, yeah, and also like it it did really well from the get go with like Salt and Peppa and with you know that's true. Um, Little Kim is another one. Um, so, uh, how much do you know about Juice Crew? Not much. Okay, so I'm gonna list off the names, and I want I want you to tell me if you've heard of any of these people. Um, Marley Marl. Yes, I've heard of. Yes. Roxanne Shantae. Yes. MC Shan. Maybe, but. Biz Markey. Yes. Okay. Big Daddy Kane. Yeah. Cool G Rap. Okay, yeah. Master Ace. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Craig G. All right. I mean, you could just. (laughs) (laughs) So these guys, from what I remember, um, they got their start by like writing diss tracks about like run G- run dmc and lo cool j and then uh eventually they like started working with these artists which is super cool <laughs> um but like even the people that are like related to these people like for example uh one of the guys in juice crew uh, his his younger cousin is havoc from mob deep Okay, so they're all like connected to. That's true with like a lot of hip-hop yeah. This is like so Juice Crew is like and... Juice Crew is like the New York hip-hop supergroup. Everyone yeah. in this group or who, or who has ever been in this group has like connections, right? Um, so it's 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 really fascinating stuff, right? And Master Ace did, uh, uh, was he the one who did Music Man? Yeah, he's the one who did Music Man, which has that really cool funk sample on it. I think I sent you that before. Yeah, I think you have. Yeah. Um, Let me see here. The sample is Nothing is the Same by Grand Funk Railroad. That's a good song. Yeah. And basically all he did was like, he took a section of the song, he like turned the gain up on the drums and added a snare. Because like the the track was so good that that, that's all it needed. (laughs) Sometimes you just, sometimes samples are just like that. Yeah. And then Wu Tang sampled it in, uh, or Wu Tang sampled Music Man in Method Man. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, so it's all like the, the New York. Uh, New York is like, um, it's the birthplace of hip hop. Anyone who yeah. tells you it's the West Coast is lying to you. It's not. <laughs> the it's, West Coast. Yeah, it's just not the West Coast. The West Coast is like the birthplace of like really indulgent production. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't really know. Is... No, the South also had very indulgent production. But that came at the same time the, the that the West Coast uh, was doing it. 
I don't know. Dr. Dre, I think, was a, a couple years ahead of like, uh, like a like lot DJ of the Atlanta groups. Yeah. No, but like before Atlanta, like Memphis stuff was popping off at the same time as like Dr. Dre. Yeah. I was talking about this the other day about how this like modern hip hop is like just the southern hip hop sound in like the nineties and early two thousands. Like yeah. Atlanta, Memphis. Well, and that's because that was and and it makes sense because that that bubble, especially uh if you look at Outcast is probably the biggest example of like these oh, guys yeah. did something like totally new and groundbreaking, and then everyone that came after them was chasing that. And they had, they still have like a really dramatic effect on how hip hop music is produced now because it's like, oh, you want to do like a song, a hip hop song that has a really musically interesting instrumental? Uh, Outcast should be your inspiration, <laughs> you know. Um, but even like, yeah, when when I think when I think '90s hip hop, the first thing that pops in my mind, production wise, is Dr. Dre, because I think of like yeah. the stuff he did for Tupac. Um, I think of like the stuff he did for like Nate Dogg, um, Snoop, you know, uh, like all that stuff. Those beats are just like iconic, right? Yeah, they are. Like, uh, uh, what's the one? The one with Tupac is, uh, California Love. Yeah. Yeah. I know, I know. I learned how to. That was like one of the first things I learned how to play on piano. Yeah, California knows how to play. I was thinking of that Snoop Dogg song that we were talking about. That's that got that bass line. We were talking about that a couple weeks ago. It's like you heard that. That was also a Dre sample. That was also a Dre beat. Yeah. Um, have you heard that Snoop Dogg song that's like a, just, just a, like a giant massive tribute to Slick Rick? Yeah, I think you told me about it. Yeah, it's basically like a Snoop Doggified version of Lottie Dottie. Yeah, he he just covered Lottie Dottie. It's like well, it's one of the few like hip hop cover, covers. Like, it's not really a cover because he like changed a lot of the lyrics to suit like his personal background more. Um so it's like a really neat like sort of take on it yeah but it's like yeah. I, I read something about this like people argue that this is like one of the few hip-hop covers <laughs> but it, it yeah, is like, it's right, like, a, because like it's like his own take on a on on a full song it's not like a hook or a sample but it's like yeah yeah um and it's really yeah because hip-hop is a culture that doesn't really facilitate covers right like the idea is that someone makes something cool and you take the pieces of it that you really like and you can incorporate those into what you're making um, yeah you know you take and he sample, basically you just your... like like Saint Dog basically just did his own it's like doing a solo like in a cover like on a guitar that's his it's, it's you know what i mean because like, it's the same beat, yeah. the same like Wikipedia considers yeah. it a cover. Well, no, it's 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 a different beat too. It's actually a pretty dramatically different beat because because uh, like the original the original beat. is just the the beatbox, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that That's one right. had um yeah Dougie Dougie Fresh doing like all the all the beatboxing on it. Just doing this, um, yeah. Because that's the only. Cause that's, yeah. That's the, 
Body darling, yeah. we like to party. We don't want no trouble. We don't bother nobody. <laughs> but like, I was thinking about like Southern hip hop, like really, really influenced all of modern hip hop. Like the 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 sort the trap, like beats and 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 all of that like came from Atlanta and Memphis and. Like so much of modern hip hop, yeah. like can trace its root. Like a lot of what is popular now traces its yeah. roots, like back to Southern. I mean, Lil Wayne is from Atlanta, you know. Yeah, yeah, and like Memphis is like the birthplace of like a lot of the stuff that would influence like the crunk era as well. Yeah, Which I was listening. Was I was listening to party last week. Yeah, the big party playable hip hop music came from that region, which is probably why it's the most popular um, have you ever heard the song that biggie did with uh bone thugs uh no i haven't notorious thugs go look that song i think they did it it was like on the album that came out like right after biggie died oh actually i might have heard this uh, and it is my favorite biggie song because it is it is him on like what is feels like a modern trap beat and his energy on it is just like so good. Yeah. Um have you ever listened to any of like the Junior Mafia stuff? Well really there's only one album. Uh because the second album doesn't have Biggie on it because he was dead. But uh Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Yeah. But like some of the stuff on here, like Oh My Lord, the special ed track with with Biggie on it. Or um Player's Anthem is like probably one of one of the most amazing like uh hip hop party songs ever there's also a sample of Lottie Dottie on on uh, player's anthem actually yeah um, i mean it's one of the it's <laughs> one of the most sampled yeah well yeah it's been sampled i know um i think it's Del the Sol- most it's the most sampled it's the most sampled vocal sample ever yeah um it's not the most sampled song but it's yeah um yeah because i think i think dell sampled it a few times too come to think of it. it's been sampled a lot but anyway yeah samples and references by later artists and it's just like a list just... miley <laughs> cyrus fucking sampled this yeah well she like referenced it oh yeah she didn't sample it she like had a lyric about it uh, interpolated it yeah. Um, have you ever heard uh, "Children's Story" by Slick Rick? Of course. That that song's great. The whole framing device of it is also great. I really like it. Um, yeah, "Player's Anthem" is like fucking amazing. Uh, you've heard it, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Could you imagine, like, if Biggie hadn't died, what what the landscape of like New York hip hop would look like in the in the years from like ninety five to two thousand? People wouldn't say that. Like, there would be no discussion on whether or not like East Coast was the like home of or not home. What would you say earlier? The birthplace. Well, it is the birthplace. It is. It is the birthplace of hip hop. Yeah. You can't argue, but like, I don't think there would be any argument. (laughs) Yeah, 
Oh yeah, for sure. If if Biggie kept going, uh, it would have been completely cemented that New York is like the hip hop mecca, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah. Holy shit. Uh. God, like, there's just so many. Like, if you want to dig into New York underground, popular stuff, like, you know, weird experimental stuff, like, outside of like a couple artists i think specifically about atlanta artists because there isn't just like um outcast you know there's like there's other groups like dirty um but outside of that like yeah new york is kind of where it all happens until recently yeah until very recently when Um, atlanta i mean atlanta became like the city for hip-hop for a while yeah, well, because you had what you had like Outkast, who were like the biggest deal ever. We had Outkast, um, Ti, uh, Killer Mike, uh, Killer Mike, Lil Wayne from Atlanta, and then like Memphis too. Uh, in, was very influential. Um, yeah. Lil John, Atlanta. I mean, all of the yeah. crunk stuff like we just talked about. Yeah, um, yeah. And who was who was the what was the um, who did a. Uh, What's that song that? Who's that creeping in my window? Pow. Nobody now. The uh, fucking like they were. They did songs with Outkast. Like they had. They were from Atlanta. They were the. I keep want to say Mob Deep, but that's not. That's a different. Oh, I'm trying to remember. But... And it had like C. It's where CeeLo came from. What am I thinking of? Why can't I think of this? Let me... uh, let's see here. Goody Mob. Yeah. Goody Mob is, is like, is really good. Like, up there with... I mean, they were, like... They were all, like, the Dungeon family, right? Which included Outkast. Um, yeah. They both kind of came from the same place because it was some dude's skeezy basement that they called the Dungeon that they all made beats in. Yeah, and, like, Society of Soul came from that, too, and, um, even, like, Killer Mike and, you know, Future, uh, like, holy shit. Um, yeah. Yeah, like. <laughs> but have you listened to much, have you listened to Goody Mob? No, I haven't, actually. I haven't listened They're to They're really good. I They're never really good. Like... They are, like, the Wu-Tang of the South. <laughs> Yeah, because they were they were doing their stuff basically at the exact same time that Outkast was doing their stuff, right? Yeah, like their early yeah. stuff. Um. Yeah. Wow. Cell therapy is the song that I was thinking of. That that, and it's got. Um... Oh yeah, Nas was from New York too. Yeah. Moss was from New York. Yeah. Beastie Boys are from New York and I mean, I'm not doubting that New York is <laughs> like the place for hip hop. I'm just saying yeah. like I was talking with someone on Discord about this, about how like like so so much of the modern sound of hip hop is influenced by the South, even if uh there isn't like the quantity of like artists from the South. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, like even the halftime, wanna... the halftime, like um, 
feel like on all the drums in modern hip hop, you know, and the triplet flows, like that's all South. That's yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so there's a run DMC gets a lot of shit and I don't know why, because they're actually like pretty good. They're the best out of those early, like hip hop stuff. Like I'd rather listen to run DMC than like, Curtis Blow or the Sugar Hill Gang, you know? Yeah, I, I like the Sugar Hill Gang. Um, but, uh... Didn't they basically rip off Rapper's Delight from a bunch of other... Yeah, Rapper's Delight, but they have, like, other music, too. Like, that's oh, like, the dude, only I'm... song they... Yeah. <laughs> um... And then there's, like fucking africa bambata yeah that was like that's where all the like 808 stuff came from because they like he was just like experimenting with like drum machine kind of stuff yeah and run run dmc specifically i think were uh if i remember right they were really influential in the philadelphia scene too even though they were from new york um and you like de la soul and tribe called quest were also like pretty early like people forget like yeah it's, like, hip-hop went from, like, because, like, uh, Straight Outta Compton came out in 89, you know? Yeah. And then, like, but, like, you go to hip-hop from, like, 1981 or even 1980, right? Like, and it is just completely different from the stuff at the end of the decade. So over the course of the 80s, hip-hop just, like, yeah, very, very exploded. Yeah. In the same way punk did in the 70s, like we talk about all the time on here. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really, it's a really fascinating phenomenon. And that's part of the reason, like, I, I, I find it really annoying, um, when people talk about like the musical landscape of America in the late 20th century and they just completely gloss over hip hop or they just completely discard it. Yeah. Um, like I think I think we were talking about it at some point before, but I was reading Capitalist Realism, the Mark Fisher book, and his understanding of like hip hop and black culture is so like dramatically flawed. It's ridiculous. Like I get that he's from the UK and it's not like his wheelhouse, but it's definitely like a situation where it's like this would have been much better if you just said nothing at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's weird to me that like New Orleans like New Orleans has a big hip hop scene, but it's like bounce and that kind of stuff. Which is weird yeah. when you think of like New Orleans having like a huge, huge like jazz. Um I mean New Orleans is the biggest art like New Orleans and New York are the biggest cities for jazz in yeah. America. And also, um, I think I think mostly what happened with New Orleans is that in terms of what was really popular there, I think because hip hop essentially spun out of like R and B and funk, right? Yeah. Um, and in New Orleans, in terms of the acts that are popular, if you go and look, like R and B just kind of maintained its popularity there. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That's not to say like there wasn't hip hop happening there. No, there was, but, I mean, bounce, there's a whole, like, genre, yeah. and they, they, I guess they pulled more from, like, the, the Mardi Gras party kind of stuff, because bounce, yeah. I mean, 
bounce music is fun like big frida like i love stuff like that yeah new orleans and louisiana on the whole also culturally are just so dramatically different from the rest of the south that that's true yeah. yeah um But like New Orleans has like New Orleans hip hop has like was where like the some of the first like LGBT hip hop people also showed up, which is interesting, just yeah. because of like different, um, I guess just the culture of the city. Yeah, like oh, drag are... is a big thing in New Orleans, and <laughs> there were there were a lot in New York. They just uh, didn't talk about it until about thirty years after the fact. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh... Yeah. Um. Okay. 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 Uh, how do you feel about Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five? Don't push me, cause that's Grandmaster <laughs> Flash, right? Yeah. Such a such a blunder. Sometimes it makes me wonder why I even bring up like. I mean, that song's cool. Like I don't know any other song. Um. So Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five are one of those groups that's like, you know, like Sugar Hill Gang or uh, Slick Rick. One of those really early groups that are like extremely influential. Like the Grandmaster Flash's stuff with the Furious Five was like 78 to 83. So they were like putting stuff out like alongside like the Sugar Hill Gang. Yeah. Like... I like what what other things did they do besides the message? Oh, let's see. The message was like their big track. Well, okay, here's the thing though. Grandmaster Flash is the guy who created like scratching. Yeah. That's the big thing. I forgot about that. But like <laughs> Yeah, and they did uh they did uh reform in the late 80s and put out some other stuff, but nothing was ever as big as the message, I think. Like, all of the techniques and names about, like, record scratching just came from this guy who was just, like, fucking around with his record player and, re- like... Yeah, because that was before you could even... It was the late 70s, so, like, if you were an actual DJ, uh, you didn't have a table with two fucking turntables on it. Yeah. You had one! <laughs> um... But then I guess probably into the early 80s that would have changed. Um, or even you would have had two separate turntables and probably like a separate piece of equipment to fade between them. Yeah. You know? Um, he's in a, he's in DJ here. He's like the, the big guy. He's like the final... The final boss? Not the final boss, but it's like how you can play as Tom Morello in Guitar Hero. Like you get uh, unlock. He's like the guy. And he, he's, he does all the voiceovers for the tutorials too. That's cool. So a lot of the mixes in DJ Hero are like really good. Yeah, and, and in in all the tutorials for DJ Hero, he's like, back in my apartment in the nineteen seventies, <laughs> I came up with scratching. Now it ain't quite like what's on this plastic doohickey you got, but <laughs> <laughs> I love DJ Hero. Yeah, it's, so it's a shame. It's a shame. Like the plastic instrument games just kind of ran themselves into the ground because like there is genuinely like a cool you know nature to them it's just like why did you have to put out three guitar hero games a year activision why would you do that the first time i played dj hero was i was at some like con it was like a local like 
comic convention yeah. or something in my town. And they're in just the game room where they had like the fighting game set up. They had two DJ Hero turntables. And I sat down and this old dude sits next to me. And I'm like, okay, I can like school this old dude. And then he yeah. sets it to like super hard. Right. And he just fucking like kills it. And I got my ass like blown out at, at DJ Hero. And I was like, okay, I guess I got to get good at this now. So I bought a turntable <laughs> in the game. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Um, the last time I went to like a, a convention, it was an anime con. And they didn't have any like cool fighting game tournaments, but they did have a tournament for Budokai 3. So I picked Kid Buu and came in like third place. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that game's fucked up, by the way. What, Budokai 3? Yeah. I mean, all the all the Dragon Ball games are kind of fucked up, but... Yeah, they're kind of weird and crusty. <laughs> what, the, one I, the only one that I had as a kid was... Uh, which one was it was raging blast 2 yeah which is the last of like the budokai tenkaichi style ones right i think so yeah yeah and it 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 came with like an anime movie on the like ps that you could only watch on like the ps3 disc in the special ones that was like a full movie that's wild yeah, maybe like it was I'm pretty sure it's like an OVA that came with it, yeah. Okay, maybe maybe it wasn't only on the If if I remember right, it's like a weird what if OVA to deal with all the like weird what if transformations that are in that game. No, like, it is like... a it is a remake of the OVA. Oh. That is only on the game. Uh the animation was redone to fit more in with like the modern like Dragon Ball Z animation. What OVA is it remaking? Plan to eradicate the Super Saiyans. Oh. Here, here's a comparison. Okay. Plan to eradicate. Isn't that weird? Isn't that weird that they just like remade like a 45 minute OVA for this game? It's really weird. Um, I know Raging Blast as a series, the big draw of it was that unlike. Budokai Tenkaichi, it had a bunch of like crazy what if transformations, so you could get like Super Saiyan 3 Vegeta and stuff. Yeah, and all the fusions. Yeah. Um, um I never played the first one. Uh or I did it like a friend's house and it sucked compared to the second one. But <laughs> Oh god, Plan to Eradicate the Saiyans is about the fucking Tuffles. The Tuffles, yeah, yeah, yeah. From Planet Plant. Yeah. Uh, Broly, are the Tuffles even like mentioned in the manga or are they like completely an anime creation I think they're an anime creation because they're in super which is the weird part why does in I'm looking at the character list for Raging Blast 2 Broly only has Super Saiyan 3 wait what <laughs> what no so there's two <laughs> different Broly's okay so the Broly Super Saiyan 3 is his own character. Yeah. And Broly... Because, like, transformation was something you could, like, do as, like, a character. It wasn't, like, different characters. 
Yeah. You had like it was something you had to like you had to fill up a gauge and then you could transform and then you had like different modes. Yeah, that's how it, that's how it worked in like Budokai Tenkaichi as well. But certain okay, characters... I never I never really played those very much, so I didn't yeah. I didn't know that. Certain um, characters had like weird. Uh... They have Go Tanks all the way to Super Saiyan three. Yeah, is there like a Super Saiyan two Go Tanks in the game? There's there's super there's base Super Saiyan and then Super Saiyan three Go Tanks. Okay, according so to they, Wikipedia, they didn't, they didn't like what if a Super Saiyan two into the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love that it had like my favorite part about that game was that it had all of the Ginyu Force, and they were like fun characters to play. Yeah. So like you would just be playing as like Jace against Broly. <laughs> Yeah. And having a good time. Yeah, I remember uh, in Budokai Tenkaichi... I think it was Budokai Tenkaichi 2. If Broly got a full stack of meter, there was an infinite he could do because he had like a grab super. Uh, and if you timed it right, you would always land the grab right as your opponent recovers. So you could yeah. just do an infinite with Broly and then the recovery time from the super was so long that you could just charge your meter up again and do it again. <laughs> they even have like they have like Dabura and Janimba in Raging yeah. Blast Nail Nail Wow Tarble Tarble? Um, yeah that's, that's, that's something Vegeta's younger brother Yeah yeah, who is like 100% canon, like Toriyama created character. There's, you can even play as like some of the like, the, the fucking, um, there's like one of the uh, Frieza jobbers. Yeah. That's like, who's the, well, there's like the green guy, obviously, um, that transforms, right? What's, you know who I'm talking about on Namek? Zarbon. Oh, yeah. But then there's, Zarbon. like, one... There's one that's just, like, the guy whose name was just, like, Apple or whatever. Yeah. Apule. Yeah, does, isn't he just, like, some jobber that gets blown up in, like, two seconds? Yeah. There's Metacooler, whatever that means. Oh, right. He's, like, the purple guy that Vegeta blows up, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I remember who that is now. Yeah, he's completely worthless. He's just a jobber who dies. You can play as Cell Jr. for some reason. Why wouldn't you want to play as the Cell Juniors? No, you can play as Cell Jr. As in just one of them? <laughs> I think it's just one. Can you play as a Cyberman? Yes! <laughs> I always like playing as Bojack. <laughs> Bojack was fun. Future Gohan and Teen Gohan. Yeah. Vegito and then Vegito Super Saiyan. Gohan and Gohan and Gohan and Gohan and Goku and Goku and Goku and Goku and Goku and Goku. No, there's only one Goku. There's only one Goku? Does he just go straight all the way to like Super Saiyan 4? He goes, well, this was before Super Saiyan 4. Raging Blast? This doesn't have any GT stuff. Oh, there's no GT stuff in the game. No. Okay. 
I was going to say, because that's like just, a PS3 game. That's way after GT. Right, but it just doesn't have it. Yeah. It's got all the movie stuff, but it's got Innocent Boo. What is, is that just like Boo after? Uh, that's like Boo when he lives with Mr. Satan. No, that's Boo after they kill Kid Boo. And he right, and then he, the fat Boo that's still around afterwards. Yeah, and he lives with Mr. Satan. Yeah. Well, yeah, but he also lives with Mr. Satan when he's still Majin Buu. Oh, does he? Yeah, it's remember? Because the, they, they, they have, like, the dog. They have Is that the... before? Is that before? Yeah, he's not Innocent Buu yet. So what happens is he's like, hanging out, he's, like, hanging out with Mr. Satan, and they, they find this dog, and they're, like, taking care of the dog, and these dudes show up, and they're, like, mercenaries or, like, militiamen or something i forget what the deal is with them but they show up uh and they try to shoot boo and they shoot the dog instead and boo gets (laughs) so mad that all the steam that comes out of him because he's mad turns into the evil boo then the evil boo beats him and they come and they combine into super boo the boo saga is just so fucking stupid (laughs) i like purge that shit from my brain (laughs) because in my opinion like dragon ball z should just end itself it really yeah. should just end it, Frieza. But Cell is cool enough as a villain. Yeah, I like the I like the whole like Cell Android saga. I think it's cool. I do too. I just don't think it's near as good as like. I think it uh, it lets the Z fighters have like a lot of cool moments, which is which is nice, especially yeah. Tien. Tien gets like the coolest moment in the entire series. And then you also have all of like Android thirteen through twenty. Yeah. They're all well, in there. Yeah. You gotta have them. Yeah, you gotta have them. Dr. Jarreau is Android 20, right? Yeah. The androids also have, like, their own gameplay mechanic in those games, because they can't charge up, so they just, they... like, it just builds up over time. And I think uh, 17 and 18 can absorb it by attacking as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, they even have... They have... Oh, they don't have Android 15, which is good. <laughs> Oh, is that the one with is that the one with like the jive hat and the lips? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about this. <laughs> he's like <laughs> he's like a little pimp man. It's so weird. It's yeah, like he's the world's tiniest pimp. It's <laughs> Which one? Android 16 was the one that was going to kill Goku, right? Yeah, he's the one who had, like, a bomb inside him. Okay, and then Android 19, which is the one with the... the, the It's from the movie. 19 is the fat one who looks Chinese. Okay. Yeah. And then... Okay. So they they don't have Trucker Hat in Raging Blast. They don't? They don't have, like, 13? I don't think so. They're, they're oh, they have no, no, no. They do have, they do have pimp hat. Oh, okay. I was just looking at the characters who were returning from Raging Blast One. Pimp hat, Android thirteen, fourteen, and fifteen were all added in Raging Blast Two. Oh. Because <laughs> uh, Android fourteen was the one who was like, he's like white. But like white, white. Yeah. 
like stark white and he's got like a pony he looks like conan yeah trunks just like cuts him in half halfway through that movie um <laughs> god i mean if we're gonna talk about like the movie villains there's like fucking uh there's cooler there's cooler who's actually all right cooler is uh, fine there's fucking what's his name in the spice boys uh what the fuck is that guy's name <laughs> Garlic Jr. Garlic Jr. <laughs> and then he comes back for a filler arc in the anime. <laughs> yeah, that confused the shit out of me as a kid. I had no idea who Garlic Jr. was. <laughs> so he's, yeah, he's the main antagonist in the movie, which is weird because the movies don't like fit into the continuity at all. They don't make any fucking sense, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then he comes back for a filler arc. I need to watch those. Have you ever seen the people, like, trying to, like, fit the movies into the timeline? There's, like, a... The Broly movie has to take place, like, three days before the Cell game. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, there's also Mecha Frieza. Like, he's playable. Yeah. Just, like, from that one... Like, that's the dumbest part about Frieza. Or it's not dumb, because it's, like, intentional, but I love it. Where when he like shows back up after Trunks is there and Trunks just fucking like slices him into bits. Yeah. There's like a there's like a really nice part. Um There's a bit at the end of the Garlic Jr. saga. because uh, the Garlic Jr. saga is stupid and it's like little kid Gohan beats him at the end of the arc. But uh there's like an episode at the end of the filler arc where uh Krillin is trying to get engaged to his girlfriend at the time. And uh, if I remember right, uh, she just like sees this dude with a flashy car and like immediately fucking leaves him. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, she's just like a cheesecake character who exists for the filler arc and then disappears. Oh, Enraging Blast... Also, like, Vegeta with a scouter is just a different character than Vegeta. Yeah. But he just can't transform. So he's just base-level Vegeta. Also, the Krillin's girlfriend in this arc is named Marin, uh, which is a, a pun on Chestnut, just like Krillin is also a pun on Chestnut. And then Krillin's daughter is also named Marin, uh, because Toriyama ha- just kind of happened to come up with the same pun as the writers of this filler arc for right, Krillin's okay. daughter. Right, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and she's just like straight up like just the filler arc cheesecake character who's just there to, to just look pretty like is that not just Bulma it's, yeah it's basically like a clone of Bulma with like longer hair okay yeah what was, Anyways, did you ever uh, read that? Did you ever read that uh, intergalactic policeman manga that's like a prequel to Dragon Ball that Toriyama did? Uh, Jaco the Galactic Patrolman. Yeah, I haven't read it, but he shows up in Super, so I'm assuming it's actually kind of important. 
I read it, like, because it was coming out, like, when I was reading, like, in Shonen Jump. Yeah. Like, I was still getting, when, when American versions of Shonen Jump were still happening, and I was subscribed to it. Yeah. Um, so apparently it takes place, like, He did, years. like, a Burn the Witch thing. Apparently it takes place, like, ten years before the original Dragon Ball. Uh, yeah, and it's like a little mini series. But he did the big the thing about it was that he did like a it's like Burn the Witch where it like wasn't like established to be a Dragon Ball thing until like the very end. Yeah, and he just like meets Bulma at the end. Well, like it it's revealed that the person that he's been um, like hanging out with is Bulma's little sister that never gets mentioned throughout the entirety of Dragon Ball. Oh, oh, it's Tights, her older sister. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, who wears like a Rasta hat for some reason? Yeah, he's got like a Rasta beanie on. Um, and uh, let's see here. Yeah, she's from Jacob the Galactic Patrolman, and then she shows up in Super after. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But, like, it was a countdown. Like, because I, I remember, like, after he finished the manga, like, they're, they're, they're titled DB negative 11, like, DB negative 10, like, each chapter is. Yeah. So, like, it's literally, like, counting down to, to the end of it where, like, because, like, the plot is he shows up and he's like, there's a great evil here that I have to stop. And then it, like like antics happen and then the great evil just happens to be goku <laughs> yet <laughs> okay so there's a part in shake of the galactic patrolman where the money they use is yen and then at the end it's explained that uh yen also exists in the dragon ball universe alongside zenny don't the, worry about it <laughs> the exchange rate is two zenny per three yen Uh, yeah, and Doctor Slump and Nekomajin also take place in the same world. Which uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's Doctor Slump stuff like straight up shows up. Yeah, in dra- in the original Dragon Ball. Yeah. Um, I think Arale also shows up in Super. Really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I think Vegeta tries to fight her and loses. Let's see here. Copy Vegeta Saga. Uh, Arale is poking poop when Goku unintentionally shows up with his use of instant transmission. What a sentence. (laughs) No, like, poking poop with a stick is like a running gag. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) It's just the way that you, like, said it so... Future Trunks Saga. During a world invention conference in West City, Arale has taken a dose of Playtime X fed to her by the ghost former Dr. Mascherito. Vegeta agrees to play with her, but she clearly outclasses him and Vegeta admits to never wanting to fight a gag character ever again. (laughs) After recognizing Goku, she does a beam battle with him as Super Saiyan Blue, which ends in a draw. Arale wants to do it again, but 100 times stronger? 
Bulma has to summon Beerus to stop her from destroying the world. <laughs> what? Is Dr. Slump, like, good? Yeah, it's a pretty good gag manga. Like, it's not bad. It doesn't have, like, the scope of, like, Dragon Ball. Like, it's a lot more standard comedy. There's a whole, like, arc, though, in Dragon Ball where Goku just, like, wanders into the town that it's set. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, like... Yeah, it's during the Red Ribbon arc. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, the town's called Penguin Village. Penguin Village, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, um... Yeah, Rolai's an android, so she lives, uh... It's age 805. The fucking calendar in Dragon Ball. Uh... So, Arale is 73 at the point in time where the main timeline, Trunks, the one that's friends with Goten, uh, develops uh, the, the swordsmanship techniques that adult Trunks uses in the future timeline. This is stupid. I hate it. <laughs> Just don't. Yeah, I mean, um, it's Toriyama. Like, I think he excels at doing this dumb shit a lot better than, like, uh, trying to make serious stuff. Arale can punch so hard that she can split the earth in half. <laughs> oh, yeah, she's a robot. Yeah, she's a robot. Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Is there anything else you really want to say about fucking Dragon Ball or Dr. Slump? I think we've said yeah. everything there is to say about it. Um, how, how do you feel about Boba Bo? I like Boba Bo. Boba Bo is great. You like Boba Bo. Yeah. We both like Boba Bo. Uh, so... Earlier this year, Grand Blue Fantasy had a Boba Bo crossover. Yeah, you told me about that a lot. Uh, right now, right now it's having a Gintama crossover. Is Gintama like good? Because isn't there like a bajillion episodes? Gintama's weird because the anime decidedly de- chooses to not completely adapt the manga because it's a okay. gag manga. So the anime right. is just like. Oh, we'll do it sometimes, but because it's an anime, we can do different gags that are different because it's animated. Okay. Like the show, the show is extremely self-aware that it is based on a thing, but it's trying to do a slightly different thing. Um, but yeah, Gintama is. Uh, so the 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 thing that's. Did I read the about, manga? I have read some of the manga. It's good. It's a really good gag manga. Yeah. Um. So, the thing about this Gintama event in Grand Blue is that the the name of the the name of the event is I think it's like you should always read jump cover to cover, something like that. Um and the reason it's called that is because the back cover of jump 
for like the last six years has just been an advertisement for grand blue fantasy <laughs> really yeah <laughs> Uh. yeah Yeah, there's also a gag uh when when they first introduced pilaf in dragon ball uh with his goons uh shu and mai um I love those characters. Like, yeah, one of the first gags that they do is a gag about how they're not going to do Doctor Slump gags, and the gag is that they do a Doctor Slump gag anyway. <laughs> I remember that. I remember being very confused, and then like putting two and two together later when I was reading. Is, that. Yeah, because they do the poop thing, and then they're like, "We're not going to do the poop thing." <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's great. I don't have anything else to talk about. You have anything else to talk about? Um, what's what's the homework for this week? Homework for this week. Let what should they go see. do? Go see. read. Go like watch the original Dragon Ball if you haven't. Yeah, actually, it's if a you great adventure. Yeah, if you haven't read or watched the original Dragon Ball, it's definitely worth it. Um. I don't know what 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 homework am I assigning for this week? Let me think about it for a second. I need some. I need to get the brain. Do shoutouts again? No, let's not. I don't have the time for that. Um, uh, your homework is to uh, go play Z One Battle Royale. <laughs> Excuse me. <laughs> That's remember H one Z one. Shut up. The last major update was February nineteenth, twenty twenty. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Go um. Go listen to Dragula by Rob Zombie. Also. Go listen to the weird, like, remix of Dragula that's in Twisted Metal 4. Go listen to the remix of Dragula that mixes it with Love Shack and Toxic by Britney Spears. I I feel like Rob Zombie would be super into that remix, actually. I'm, yeah. (laughs) That seems like right up his alley. It was big, I'm, it was big on TikTok for a while, so I'm sure he, like, probably. Yeah. It's good. Like those songs all mix together very well. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know? Did you know Rob Zombie is like a playable character in Twisted Metal Four? Yeah, that sounds like something you would tell me. It's it's literally Not just Twisted Rob Metal. Zombie, and because he they couldn't get him in like the booth to voice act, they have like a magic hat that looks like Rob Zombie that Rob Zombie carries around, and like the voice actor does the does like their best rob zombie impression and talks through the hat okay <laughs> and then <laughs> rob zombie's wish at the end of the tournament is that everyone can can rock and then it just plays like a dragula music video it's really funny <laughs> 
Yeah. Uh, go play. No, actually, don't. Don't do that. Never mind. I'm not gonna suggest that for a moment. That what? game kind of sucks. I was gonna say go play like Brutal Legend, but that game's kind of boring. <laughs> that game's terrible. Yeah. <laughs> I just love like I love everything it's trying to do. Yeah, Brutal Legend is like if. Okay. I was thinking about okay because you said Rob Zombie, and I was thinking about Ozzy Osbourne in Brutal Legend. Yeah. And um, like Jack Black and all of that. You know what I mean? So in, instead of playing Brutal Legend, uh, go and play Overlord, which is like the same game except good. And then watch the cutscenes for Brutal Legend. Yeah. On YouTube. Or at least the intro where Jack Black's in like the record store, and it's got like yeah. the the cool like menu. The the really like cool the coolest thing, part about that game. The really cool thing about Overlord is that your character starts out as like an evil overlord. And so the the moral choices that you make are either evil or eviler. <laughs> <laughs> My favorites. Uh oh, before we go, I that just reminded me, um, do you remember like the moral choices in the infamous games? Vaguely. There's there's one at like the start of Infamous 2 that always cracks me up, which is you can either lower the bridge or you can lower the bridge while simultaneously murdering a bunch of women and children. <laughs> Infamous, everybody. I only that's the that's your one. homework. Go play Infamous 2. That's my homework. I never played Infamous 2. Uh, yeah. Homework. Go go listen to uh, Motorhead. Yeah. Infamous 2, by the way, is like a legitimately better game than the first one because it has like a melee combat system. That like is good. That like, yeah, that doesn't completely suck. It's it's basically just like swinging the wrench and wrench and clank. Like you have your little three hit combo. Um that's all you but, need. Yeah, that's really all you need. Because the rest of it is still like all the lightning powers and like shooting lightning and stuff. But like, it's just when someone's up in your face, you actually have an option, which is cool. It's like a weird sword made out of like uh, the insulating piles that they like hang from telephone wires. Oh, okay. Yeah. Brutal Legend is 75% off on Steam right now. That's That's cool. $3.74. Get it for the cool, like, metal ambient soundtrack, if you can get it with the soundtrack, I guess. Nope, that ver- that part isn't on sale. Of course it isn't. I remember when I when I got Brutal Legend, I it was like a $10 Humble Bundle that happened to have Brutal Legend in it, uh, and it came with the soundtrack, because all the Humble releases usually come with it. So yeah. I, I made off like a bandit with the soundtrack and never finished the game. That's smart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that was back when Humble Bundles didn't suck. Yeah, I remember when Humble Bundles didn't suck. Yeah. Alright, everybody. We'll see you next week. See you next time. This was Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. We did three hours of Metal Gear Rising Revengeance boss themes. This episode went long. This episode went really long. What right. happened? Yeah, what did happen? I know what happened. 
I showed you those fucking sunglasses and you lost your mind for 20 minutes. <laughs> Don't pretend like you weren't fucking coughing a fit on the other side. I was, I was. All right, goodbye, everybody.